They're evil. Sex signs of evil. Get the world famous. Lazarus, what's up, dude? Welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, man. The legendary Mark McKenna. Welcome to the show. Yay. Yay. <laughs> That's, Thanks, guys. That's the best we can do, Mark. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Round table show. Hey, if you could draw anything for Big Two, man, what would your dream project be? I would love to draw She-Hulk right here on PSN Radio. All right, everybody. Welcome back to a, another exciting week here on PSN Radio with your trio of justice. The Roundtable Show. That's right. We have a lot of stuff to cover this week. We're off last week because of bad weather. This week, the weather has not gotten any better. But, you know, we're here to rough it out. And uh, hopefully you guys are listening in and and, uh, and you're going to enjoy the show we're going to put out for you. This is, of course, January 27th, 2019, which is amazing to see that. And uh, I am the Jackal. With me, as always, is Zod Ryder. Say hello, Zod. Hello. How's the weather over there? That's cold. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> I just had to get it out there. Johnny Elf was also on the round table tonight. Johnny, how's the weather in your neck of the woods? Uh, it's cold, but not as cold as where Zod's at. So, yeah, no, it's it's nasty in the Midwest, yo. That's all I got to say. Now, Zod, you're below, how, how, how many uh, degrees are you below over there? Well, right now it's about seven below. Ooh. In Alpha? Uh, it's about um, somewhere between 20 to 70 degrees, 17 degrees outside. You can freeze water out there, but it's not below, <laughs> like Zod. Yeah, no, we just dropped we just dropped a degree, so we're so we're eight below right now. Awesome. <laughs> well, I'm also freezing my buns off down here in sunny South Florida. It's 68 degrees outside with a feel like 66 <laughs> degrees, a little rainy. <laughs> <laughs> that's cold. That sounds wonderful. That's like perfect shorts weather for you. Yeah, man. for real. <laughs> we're all bundling up down here in Miami, Florida. It's funny because, you know, we're not used to the weather, so like, uh, anytime it's like below 70, everybody's like, oh my god, it's the end of the world. Global warming and global cooling and something's happening. And then like, <laughs> the month goes by and like nothing happens and we're like, oh, it's just cold for a couple of weeks and then we get all the memes saying we survived another arctic weather in florida which is very funny when you see it every year since memes have been around um but uh, hopefully the ones this year are a little bit more clever now that you get the gif memes all over the place but uh we have a lot of stuff to cover and i'm surprised that johnny alpha's fingers haven't fallen off over here from looking through all the news uh, Johnny, you know, what stuff do you have to uh, cover this week before we go get into anything in specific? We got some news about the uh, a Doom movie that's based off the video game that I didn't even know was happening, but it's got delayed for some reasons. We'll cover. Dude, uh, they had a Doom. Off- they had a Doom video game. Doom, Doom. Doom. Oh, Doom! You run around with guns and shoot. At least a they, Doom. They made one movie already, but it sucked ass. It had the rock yeah. in it, so of course it sucked. But yeah. um... See, we got some Aquaman news. Everybody knows this Aquaman news, though, but we got to celebrate it because DC's winning finally. Zazzy Beats dropped some kind of weird but cool news about the new Joker movie, which I kind of thought was kind of a neat thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Ghostbusters thing is really taking off. They got a release date and everything for it, yep. so it's going production pretty speedy. And you had some news you kind of wanted to talk about last week, but we didn't get to, so we might cover that, too, if we have time, which is cool. 
Yes, indeed. We'll get to that uh, last. I really wanted to like, dig into uh, some of this uh, Ghostbusters uh, info because I'm super excited about it. As you guys know, I'm, I'm a big Ghostbusters fan to the point that I am blocked by uh, <clears throat> people who uh, should be, remain nameless, who are involved with the reboot in the uh, last incarnation off of Twitter. They blocked me. Some of the... Uh, Folks within the cast and a certain director who showed me <laughs> director. Yes. That's just funny in and of itself to call him a director. I mean, and no that's... kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, he, he went as far as blocking me, so I'm very happy about that. That means that my words were felt, and he and he he hurt inside because of the stuff I said, and I am very happy about that. So. Uh, uh, yeah, let's, let's get into some of that stuff. Uh, Alpha, uh, <laughs> drop the link so we can put it on the, uh, on the, uh, Facebook page. Um, they're all on the sidebar here. Oh, are they? Okay, oh. I'm sorry, I didn't see. They're, yeah, I, I put all these new, all these new stories on the little sidebar. So ah. you, got, you can look at them at your leisure and we got some, we got some news about the Mobius, the living vampire movie coming out I of, um, coming out of sony which i'm kind of excited for um we got a release date for that and a co-star one of your guys's favorite doctors is going to be in this that's kind of neat news cool um uh we got um news that henry cavill has no plans of ever growing back his infamous mission impossible mustache which i, I don't know how much we could cover that i just love the headline and and, and his <laughs> quote in, in in the story so yeah and and some of my favorite cool news, it's my favorite, is Kevin Smith finally has a um, distributor for his sequel to Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And so did he did he cry again. did he cry about it and take a picture? Because he cries about everything now. <laughs> I don't know. All I ever heard, last thing I saw is him talking shit about Bill Maher, and like Bill Maher has it fucking coming. That piece of shit. So. Well, yeah, no, he, Bill Maher is definitely a piece of shit. But did he also cry about like what happened with Bill Maher? Because Kevin Smith is just—he's become like the Hollywood's crybaby. Like, no, he basically—he basically just said that, like, yeah, Kevin Smith took a shot at me, but you know what? He's kind of just a pussy when it comes to real life, and he won't—he won't say shit to my face. So, which is true. I mean, like, the guy was a D-list actor in the '80s, and now he's got a little bit of clout because he has an edgy show on HBO, and he, he thinks that, like, oh, he can talk shit about. Stan Lee because yeah. he thinks that all comic books only have superheroes in them and somehow they can't be good and every grown up should have to wear a suit and fucking watch football or I don't know what grown ups are supposed to do but obviously we, we're not supposed to read comic books because the one and only Bill Maher D-list comedian from the 80s doesn't think they're grown up enough See, we're, and talking, about, we're talking about Bill Maher and, and real quick and I'll, I'll make this quick so you can continue but Bill Maher is one of these dudes that, like, he's a failed comedian, he's a failed actor, he's failed at everything, he landed this gig, uh, politically, whatever, intolerable, whatever the hell his short name is, and he's kind of latched onto the whole leftist, socialist, kind of agendist type of, uh, vocal, you know, uh, shit piece. And, uh, he's made a little, like, tiny career out of that. So he takes shots at everybody for stupid reasons, just to stay in the headlines. He's like the, the male version of Kathy Griffin, basically. He's a nobody comedian. You actually look a lot alike now you talk about it. Yeah, the same yeah. face, the same pointy yeah. rat nose, and, yeah, I can they're, see that. Yeah, you know, they're both, like, trashy looking. Like, you can tell, like, if it wasn't for this gig, they'll be, like, in a trash compactor somewhere where they belong. But continue, continue. Oh, there's just one little last bit. Um, like Mark Millar, he got like all his 
Image is my law work mm-hmm. stuff put out by um, Netflix, and we kind of got the first um, news about something of that coming out. They're going to be doing um, Goddess, and Sandra Bullock might be playing um, the. Uh, my bad, not Goddess. It's um, shit. Well, Sandra Bullock's gonna, probably going to start. Well, her last couple movies, her last couple movies were shit. But yeah, sorry. Good. Who's where? Uh, Sandra Bullock's. Um, I don't. I, the last movie I saw hers was. Gravity has she been in shit since then? You haven't yeah. seen her in Bur- you haven't seen her in Bird Box? Yeah, Have Bird either Box. One, you guys watch Bird Box? You didn't like Bird Box? You yeah, told me Bird a, Box is oh, I haven't watched it yet. Like dude, I just been I just been binging Voltron and Ninja Turtles for like the past three weeks, man. So Nice. Okay. <laughs> Can't go wrong with that. But and then too. and then um the people that made the the wonderful, the best movie of last year according to me and Zod, Mandy are going to be making uh-huh. a H.P. Lovecraft um, adaptation of A Color Out of Space, which is my favorite H.P. Lovecraft story, starring the one, the only, the amazing God King, Nicolas Cage. There you go. I don't to talk about. Mandy, I, I thought it was uh, Mary Poppins, yo. No, I, Mary Poppins, nobody likes Mary Poppins. <laughs> I don't know, has any, have any of us seen it? I like Christopher Robin. I mean, I guess that's kind of in the close thing, but when I was yeah. little, I loved Winnie the Pooh, so... I never really cared for Mary Poppins, though. Really? I was no, just, I never liked that movie. Yeah. I, I, I was made fun of kids that sang supercalifragilisticexpialidocious in school and stuff. It's like, man, you got to land. Never-ending story's cool. Like, but, see, you could say it. I can't say that shit. Like, literally, I can't say it. Super, that, that, that's it. I Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Yeah, no, I just, I can't. Not a gift. You know. I, I wish I didn't even know that word. <laughs> <laughs> I was like 16, and I was like, uh, what does that even mean? And the kids are trying to explain it to me. I'm like, uh, Super Cali, what? Yeah, I am from California. What? No, that's not what it's, what? I'm from Florida, the other California. Okay, they shout us California guy. By the way, we did an uh, uh, hour-long episode in California, which is going to be on YouTube in the next couple of days. Good stuff. Good stuff. Another emergency show? What y'all talk about? Uh, was he honest? Well, he was honest, yes. It was an emergency show, yes. And uh, I, you know how I do, I keep him honest. So uh, he, he was good. Uh, no, we talked about Aquaman, DCEU, you know. Uh, we got into a little bit of everything. It was, it was a good episode. That's going to be on YouTube the next the few days. On the Roundtable channel on YouTube, by the way, so... I think that's one of the ways we're going to be able to get Caligat on the show, mostly because, you know, he's always running from the law, so it's hard to get him on Sundays. Yeah, he's an outlaw. True story. And that's another thing. We had the um, we had the new Shazam trailer. I didn't put that in the news, but we could definitely waste time waking up about how amazing that was. Oh, my goodness. That was so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Guys, I also saw uh, <clears throat> a couple of movies this weekend. I saw Bohemian Rhapsody, which we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, of course, uh, Aquaman, I've finally seen that. I think we discussed that. Did we talk about that a couple weeks ago? Me and, Zod, me and Zod covered it, but you hadn't seen it yet, so you can yeah. go ahead and work out. I saw I saw a movie myself. I saw um, Jonah Hill's directorial debut, mid-'90s. If I can, I'd like to throw a little um, bit of praise that movie's way after you get yours done. Jonah Hill directed a movie? Yeah, it's kind of like kids, but like a little watered down. It's about like skateboarding drinking, pot-smoking kids in the 90s. It's really good. I'm really? actually surprised. Yeah, no, it's actually better than um, all of um, James Franco's movies except for Disaster Artist. That's the only oh, one that's... Oh, get, like, get out of town. James Franco's the king. But Jonah James Hill? Franco, yeah, but his, 
Yeah, Jonah Hill, he, he looks promising as a director coming off of this, at least, man. Wow. I'm not a huge fan of his acting either, but he can direct it all right, you know, like a little kind of... Well, I got a chance to see Replicas over the weekend, finally, and I, I really enjoyed that film, so... Well, yeah, I saw that actually a couple weeks ago. That was really good. I thought it wasn't an, an amazing movie, but it was really... Uh, Definitely better than I expected it. Now, I was a little confused with the release date, because it actually came out last year, and then they re-released it this year, and it was kind of a mess. Well, it, came, it, was, out, it came out in theaters this year. And what, was it like a Netflix original or something last no, year? No, no, no. It was a theatrical release. It was released, I think, in uh, Korea or China last year on oh. video. On vi- that's That's strange. That's weird. Well, if it's one of their movies, we we'll get it later. And even if we show it in the theaters, it'll be a movie that like came out like a year or two ago. There, like no, but that's we, the one, it's the one with um, Keanu Reeves. Mm. Replicas. I haven't so. heard. Yeah, of that. well, he's done a few. He's done a few of those though, where he's done yeah. like Asian, you know, where they're like Asian uh, movies with exclusives, white and they come, and then they come out here. Yeah. Like well, Man of Tai Chi, that was yeah. released in Asia long before it was released over here. Well, he is, uh, like, what, half uh, Asian? so he, He's sense. Hawaiian Japanese. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. I, I'm dying to see Wick, uh, John Wick 3, by the way. That's, like, my most, oh. most oh, anticipated movie. Speaking of which, have you, have you guys watched Polar on um, Netflix? The, I'm, the I'm about, I, I was, I'm going to watch that uh, tonight before I go to bed. Oh, it's so good, man. I, I'm a huge fan of the um, graphic novels by Victor Santos, and I was really, really pleasantly surprised with how the movie turned out. People are already asking for crossovers with John Wick. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would love to see the Black Kaiser team up or have to fight John Wick. That would be, especially how the films are shot. I mean, like, it's obvious that the people that made um, Polar really, really like John Wick because they borrow a lot, but it's still really good. Well, guys, let's jump into the first story we have uh, here on the table. Let's get into Ghostbusters. Uh, okay, yeah. I really want to get into that. And uh, go ahead, uh, read out what, uh, the article about Johnny. Well, it's basically just saying that, like, it's totally greenlit. They got um, a release date for... Um, basically in July of 2020. So it's happening. It's happening soon. And the ball is rolling in a good way. So mm-hmm. um, th- that's pretty much all the story says. They just kind of pump, pump, pump that into like three or four paragraphs. But yeah, there's a really cool release date and they're already um, going into casting for it. Um, who wants to bet that they're going to get Finn Wolfhard to star in it? Cause like I, since it's going to be about um, kids this time, I, I guarantee you they're going to at least get one stranger thing kid in that movie. Oh, I think they have to. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's like the perfect choice too. Like he has that nerdy type of cool look to him. So I mean, the the whole premise is uh, well, one of the kids is working on the Ghostbusters tech, and uh, then they have the uh, Dan. I think Dan Aykroyd has all but confirmed that he's going to be in this. Uh, Ernie Hudson, of course, he'll be in it if they ask him. Uh, the interesting thing is, I mean, this is most of the time directed to Ghostbusters too. So I wonder if they're going to have, like, you know, whatever the main kid is, be, like, the son of Oscar or somehow related to the original cast, um, because they're all supposed to be passing the torch in this movie. Right. 
because like the big the big picture that they showed us like the big teaser of last week when like the news broke is that there's uh, um the ecto ones just like in right. a garage somewhere like in, in kind of like in a suburban town so definitely somebody that's involved like maybe it'd be one of Ray's kids because eventually Ray Stance had to get laid I mean like I know it's an awkward scenario <laughs> but like maybe Ray Stance had a kid um but yeah, no, like I'm pretty sure that yeah, like getting Ray and Winston back are is probably their best bet, and I think that th- that could just tie the film together perfectly if um, Murray don't want to do it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think it would be kind of funny if uh, Winston and uh, Dan Aykroyd uh, stands uh, if uh, if their characters are like the last two left of the Ghostbusters, you know, force them, and they're like they're still kind of running things, you know, running the books, whatever. But that hasn't been like exciting in years, and then like. The son of Oscar, one of the, the kids is like related to Ma, and he's the one that starts seeing apparitions and, you know, he drags the old two left behind back into action. That'd be kind of a neat way to go. Either way, I'm excited to like see that they're this far along. Uh, are you guys shocked that they have a trailer this, you know, advanced already considering they, I mean, all this just came out of nowhere. This whole thing with Ghostbusters 3. I mean, well, it was probably already pre-planned. We, the public, just didn't know anything about it. It was done in secret. Yeah, they didn't want. They, they wanted to make sure that it would look right and it would at least get some people excited before coming out and saying anything, especially from the mm. backlash of the last film. I, I, I think that it was kind of a. I think that's thing. why we're getting this one because of the backlash from the yeah. other one. They're like, we got to do something to maintain, you know, the integrity of the original Ghostbusters films. We can't have the last thing that people are going to remember that crappy, that crappy reboot that we did a couple years ago. So that's what I think this is. I think this is a direct response to what we got before. That's the only reason we're getting this, to be honest. And I mean, to, to get Jason Reitman involved in this, right? I mean, that's a, if that, if no, no, none of that. If there's any clear indication of like what Zod just said, I mean, that's it right there. You get the uh, son of you know the, the main guy, really from the original movies, the one who put everything together, directing wise, to come back uh, and, and direct a picture that you know his father would have directed. I mean that that in itself brings a whole feel like the warm fuzzy feeling inside as a fan that at least is in good hands, you know, this this time around. Not like that director whose name should not be named on the show ever ever again. But I mean that at least, you know, we have somebody who's connected to the original director who grew up around the original cast and the original filming of the original two movies, who loves the property. And just that teaser trailer alone Give me goosebumps. I was like, yeah, yeah I mean, that original Ghostbusters music that they used for the, the feel. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, I mean, I got completely chilled when I saw that. that. that I have to say that was the biggest ultimate fail of the reboot. Was was the song they did with um with Missy Elliott and Fallout oh Boy? God. Oh my God, that yeah. song was just a train wreck of a piece of music. And I don't really mind Missy Elliott. Like, I, I, don't, I didn't even know she was still around until they did that song, though. But I hate Fall Out Boy. And, oh, my God, their singer just, oh, he's so annoying. And, like, there was not one bit, not one second of that music that his fat ass was not just screaming on it. You know, like, stop <laughs> for once, you fat, sideburned, fucking emo retard. Well, I mean, Missy Elliott's lost, like, what, 200 pounds? So, I mean, there's a good chance that he won't recognize her. That's probably why he... <laughs> 
That's why she hasn't been around, if you catch what I'm saying. <laughs> ah, that's fucked up, yo. Uh, yeah, good for her. Saying. Good for her, though, man. That's, that's yeah. healthy. I ain't hating. You know, we all need to lose a couple pounds. But, uh, no, that, <laughs> just having, you know, Jason Reitman there. Um, yeah, the Ecto one. I mean, it, I'm super excited about this movie. See, at the, at the moment I heard that, you know, that director was involved with the reboot in the last one. Um, as soon as I heard his name, I was like, oh boy, this is not going to be good. But as soon as I heard Jason Reitman, I was like, yes, this is okay. Yes. Okay. I, I like where this is going. Yes. Okay. And I heard some of the, the news, uh, that was coming out of what the, the idea was, the storyline that he had. And I was like, okay, that could, that could work. Cause I mean, they had, in some of the cartoons, they had, uh, I think it was Extreme Ghostbusters, they had kids involved as, uh, as the next well, they, they were younger, they were like, they were, they were like 18, 19 year olds. This, this right. is actually gonna be like kids, like 13, 12 year olds in this one. Which is cool because at least it's not gonna be nostalgia bait. At least it's not gonna be like, oh, but this is in the 80s and they, look, they have walkie talkies like so many movies. But like, it's actually gonna be like a modern confirmed, one. But have they confirmed that they're that young though? Uh, from the story that I read, that that's what they're looking for for um, for stars is um, like kids around those Stranger Things kids age, early mm-hmm. adolescence. That's interesting. I mean, at that point, I, I don't know if the uh, kids from Stranger Things are going to be a little too old. Like the, I mean, they were already like what fifteen, sixteen around there. Um, I'm not sure. The only one I actually know who, who what age they are is Millie Bobby Brown, and she just turned sixteen, I think. So yeah, they're getting yeah. a little old. Well, I mean, that might still be, uh, you know, not that old, because they all look kind of young. And Yeah, yeah she still looks yeah. 12, so. And they get all growing to the part, which is great, especially if they're going to have sequels. And you know they're going to have sequels, so this is a hit. If this movie makes, a, you know, a good profit, they'll have Ghostbusters 4, 5, 6, and they'll start a franchise out of that. So it's not bad, because at least you can continue on with these, you know, kids and, uh, forever how long Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson are alive, they continue playing, uh, Winston and, uh, and, uh, uh, stands and continue forward. Now, Bill Murray's character, you know, he, he doesn't have to exactly be there, but I'd like to see Sigourney Weaver come back and play Dana, uh, for some strange reason. I'd love to see her come back and reprise the role. Yeah, it'd be neat, especially if Oscar's the kid in it, because yeah. you know that there's you know that there's no way she stayed married to Pete Vinkman for like more than three years at the most. So like, she, yeah, she she could probably show up with like a new husband, some Chad guy, you know what I mean? And like, Stan's like, you just know your real dad or whatever type of thing. Well, but, Vinkman, yeah. I mean, Bill Murray who plays uh, Peter Vinkman, he wanted you know he could been wanted to be like a ghost to be dead within part three, so. I mean, they get those right. I mean, I don't know. Look, whatever the storyline is, as far as what I've seen, I think I'm going to enjoy it. So I'm just going to put it in the hands of Jason Reitman, and whatever he goes with, as long as the trailer's good, the acting's good, and and they you know submerge some of this uh, SJW modern day agenda crap that they had in the last reboot, and they actually give us a Ghostbusters movie that feels like the first two movies. You know, I'm open to, like, whatever the storyline is. So, um, you know, I'm just excited that we're going to get more Ghostbusters, and it has nothing to do with that awful reboot, which is the best part about it. So, 
Word and and Sony's actually been surprising me a lot lately, man. With the with the how Venom and then Spider Verse yep. turned out, so yep. like they're they're actually kind of on a bit of a winning streak themselves. So like it would be really cool if they kept that running with the, the new Ghostbusters. They're finally listening to the fans. I think that's what it is. Could be because dude, yeah. Spider Verse was just such a perfect film. Man. Oh, into the Spider Verse was great. By the way, I saw that also recently. That that was a really for for like an animated Spider Man movie. Are you kidding me? It's the best Spider Man. Uh, I still today. haven't. I still haven't seen it. I'm I'm waiting for it to come out on dude, video. Dude, it's it's the oh, only Marvel animated so movie that compares to any of the DC animated movies. Honestly, I mean, honestly, I think it's better. The animation's like flawless. Uh, and it's like so different from anything we've seen before animated wise. It's, it's, it was beautifully shot, beautifully cut together. Uh, the music is perfectly placed. Yeah, you know, the voiceover is great. The only thing I, I really wish they would have gone is I, I wish after watching it, they would have gone Toby McCryer, I mean, um, um, MacGyver? Toby? Tugboat, Toby? Tugboat, Tugboat yes. Yeah, I wish they would have gone, uh, Toby. Uh, to reprise the Peter Parker role like they were intending to do, and they tried, but they just couldn't come up with, like, I guess, the, either the funds or, I don't know, if he's a, at the track and he's lost somewhere. I don't know what, what's going on with Toby, but they couldn't get him to, like, sign a dotted line to play Peter Parker. So it yeah. was a sequel to the Raimi film? No. Kind of? No. no. Not really, but no, they were going to bring him in. To, they just wanted to get him to, um, to, to give a little, like, nod to what's come yeah. before. But the guy that did Pete's voice was actually really good. Um, yeah, Nick Cage yeah. does Spider-Man Noir's voice. I was really excited because I, I'm a huge fan of Miles Morales and mm-hmm. Spider-Gwen. So that that movie was mostly about them. Is like, it was a win, total win for me. I just wish 2099 was in there. But they totally hinted at the end that he's going to be in the sequel. So, fuck yeah. So the first story, guys, uh, the, for the roundtable this week is Ghostbusters. And I'm excited. Is that you're excited? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely excited. It looks like it's going to be a worthy, uh, a worthy continuation. Although we have to, you know, make note of the fact that we did get a Ghostbusters three in the form of a video game not too long yeah. ago that that was almost universally loved by everyone. I love so, it. So, so I'm kind of wondering why they didn't just why they didn't just adapt that since that seems to be what. It seems to be get such great, uh, you know, positive positive buzz. But I don't know. I'm excited regardless. This looks I mean, awesome. would that be counted as official canon to the film? Yeah, they uh, had yeah. they had all the actors back except for Sigourney Weaver. They got Alyssa Milano to play the new love interest in it. Oh, uh, so yeah, we need to redcon that shit. Like, yeah, Alyssa Milano. She's on my shit list. Dude, there. she was she was barely in it, and like she was just like the chick that they save. All like right. Bill Murray, um, uh, uh, Ernie Hudson, uh, Harold Ramis, all of them did their voices. A lot of the um, villains from the movie showed back up, especially from part two. Yeah, was like, it was amazing. Yeah, I'm just too happy with some of these I days. Just really liked, I just really liked all the different um, weapons they gave you, man, like the slime gun and then like the gun that you could like grab stuff and pull with. And oh, Yeah, dude, the Ghostbusters uh, for the 360, I, I still put that in and play it sometimes, man. No, was it officially titled? I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't played the uh, video game. Was it officially titled Ghostbusters 3, or did they have like a Ghostbusters and a subtitle? No, it's just called Ghostbusters, right, Zod? 
I believe it was just called Ghostbusters the Video Game. Yeah. See, in that case, you know, you can make an argument where that could be one of the side stories that we just never saw on video or film, but it was well, in the video game. But the, the film coming out is the official, official Ghostbusters 3. So you could always play it off like that if that's the case. Now, if it actually had the number 3 in front of it, then you're like, well, wait a second, you know, which one's canon? Now it'll confuse a little bit of the audience. So I don't think that's going to be the case. Well, that, it doesn't matter if it has a three or not. Look at the Halloween trilogy, uh, the Halloween franchise. There's actually a movie called Halloween 3, but it's not actually Halloween 3 because Michael Myers is in it. And now this new one that just came out, it's actually like Halloween 18 is Halloween 3. Like, so like, then you just can't win in some of those right? things. Yeah. Right. Not only that, it, you want to get a little more confused. This is like what the fourth or fifth film that, that like Jennifer uh, or uh, Lee Curtis is in, right? She and, was in the first two, and then she was in H two O. Then they killed her in, at the beginning of Resurrection, and right. then like yeah, now she's back, and it's like now she had a son who is no longer who was played by Josh Hartnett. Remember? Now she has a daughter. And the sun is no longer in the picture because they red count the other ones. Like that's confusing as shit. When I was watching the new Halloween, I was like, "Wait a second, what happened to her son?" Oh, that's right. This is like a new part three. So it's a different. It's a different continuity. Yeah, I know, but it's just, just this is the ultimate weird. Halloween. <laughs> it's Halloween. Right, right, pretty much. <laughs> Halloween ultimate. That's what they should have just called it that shit. Yeah, by Brian Michael Bendis. And Kenny from Kenny Powers. <laughs> he should have been in there. Was he in that movie? No, but he was like one of the producers. I, I well, him. see, the reason I bring up the, the you know the Ghostbusters video game is it's kind of like it's kind of the same where people keep you know talking about well would there ever be a Back to the Future four? Like there'll never be a Back to the no. Future four, but that Back to the Future video game that we got a couple years ago had all the cast back yep. doing the voices and everything, and was actually quite good and actually serves as a as a great. Like Back to the Future Four, for real. This, is, so this I, is a hard lesson that the Wachowski brothers had to learn, though. Like a, a lot of the movie-going world, don't play video games. So if you make sequels to your movies that are video games, like over half the fucking people that want to watch your movie aren't going to see what happened because they don't have a PlayStation Four. They don't care about Xbox. They go and watch the movies. So like when they did, like, oh look, you get to learn all of Neo's stories in Path of Neo, and we're gonna put half of Matrix Revolutions into the um whatever the stupid other Matrix skin was, like, dude, like, there are so many people that don't play that. I'm the perfect example. Look, I have never played the Ghostbusters video game, and A, I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan. Uh, B, I, I look like a gamer, but I'm not a gamer anymore. I haven't really like been into video games in many, many years. But every time I go anywhere, people are like, so have you played the new uh, whatever uh, Battlefront 3000 or whatever the new latest game is? <laughs> And I'm like, like that, dude. And, and I'm like, I got a PS4 because it's got a cool Darth Vader thing on the outside, and I watch my Plex and my movies and stuff. But I hardly ever use it for actual gaming. Like I, I don't have time to sit there more, more or less, you know, these days and just veg out and play video games. You know, I'm well past that at my age. And, and you know, hey, God bless you, 30, 40 year olds who can still do it. I'm just not that guy. So when a, a part three like this comes along for cinema, yeah, I could sit there for an hour or two and watch a movie, 
No problem. But to spend, you know, 15, 20, 30 hours a week playing a video oh, game. Oh, no, no, no. You could, you could beat the Ghostbusters game in probably six to eight hours. It's not a very, it wasn't a very, very no, long game. No, it's not a long game. No. It ain't, like, it ain't like Final Fantasy or like Skyrim or anything like six, that. Six, hours. For me, it'll take about 30 hours because I'm so rusty at playing video games. So I mean, I just I, I just don't see myself sitting there. Like, this, this one was made pretty easy, so pretty much all people could like play it and enjoy it. It wasn't made like to be difficult at all. Right. It was just like yeah, like like I, again that kind back of a playable to the, movie, like that Back to the Future game that came out a couple years ago. It was just you know, and even that that was just like point and click. You know, you make yeah. the decisions. Yeah, and I you, never even heard of that. But then again, uh, I don't like any of the Back to the Future shit except for the first movie. So. See, but we're back to the future. I mean, I'm, did we not say everything we have to say about that, you know, franchise? Yeah. Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3. I mean, there's just really no need for any more sequels. You, a reboot maybe 20, you know, further years down the line. Eh, maybe I can see that. Yeah, Marty, not even, not even Yeah, but I mean, there's honestly. no need for that. Just re-release the original in theaters if you want in the future. And be like, hey, guys, look, you know, part two. Hey, remember, they got an entire, they got an entirely different cut of the movie with a different actor completely they could put yeah. out if they wanted to. If they yeah. want to, Eric Stoltz, you know, that would be interesting to watch. He but... played, I heard he was really creepy and kind of serial killery in it, so <laughs> that's why they had to replace him. Like, I heard that he was very, very awkward. Like, uh, and a lot of the actresses in the film, like, didn't right, like wasn't comedy. Even... It wasn't comedy. He was, he's a method actor, and he really, you know... And it kind of comes it was off like, the road. It was a horror movie <laughs> with him. <laughs> that, that, that's how I've heard it explained. So I'm like, I, I don't know if like it'll, it's kind of watchable if everybody's like, yo, man, like he's kind of giving us this Willard vibe and he's supposed to be like the charming goofball <laughs> hero. He looks like he's going to make train rats to attack people. He, he's kind of, he's kind of, he's kind of creepy and rapey in this movie. So, uh. Eric Stoltz was not that bad. I mean, come might on. Have enjoyed the scene with the, <laughs> might, might have enjoyed the scene with his mom a little too much. <laughs> and by the way, Willard was Crispin Glover. It wasn't, yeah. uh, Eric Stoltz. Which, by the right. way, I, you know, I, I, for years I never really, like, Realized that Crispin Glover wasn't in two and three, and like because you, you you know he kind of like disappears, and then when you do see the father, he's like upside down or he's in full makeup. Right, and they got a guy that did the voice kind of similar, so right. you, you know, so it blended in perfect. I saw like <laughs> I saw like a featurette, you know, years ago, and and that's when they, they talked about. It, and I was like, really, that wasn't Crispin Glover, and then I, I found out like the whole. You know, backstory of why that happened. And Crispin Glover is a strange dude, let me tell you. Yeah. I, I saw him on David Letterman when he kicked him and or he tried to kick him in the face once. And I was like, what the hell is this guy? I mean, whatever he was smoking back in the 80s and 90s must have been some really heavy shit because, my goodness, he was all out there. And now you, you see, see him, him and he's like more normal than he was ever, so. You want to see like a really crazy movie of him when he was young? Check out one. It's like an uh, old indie film that like, him and Keanu Reeves were in. Like that's um, Dennis Hopper's in it. It's called um, The River's End. River's End, yeah. It's mm-hmm. a pretty messed up movie, but like he he is pretty freaky in that movie, man. And I forgot, you're right. He he was in the remake of Willard. I, I was yeah. I always think of the original one, but yeah, like Crispin Glover was actually in the remake of Willard. It's that's actually called. It's actually called the movie's actually called River's Edge. River's Edge. There you go. Uh, it's from 1986. 
So it's actually it was actually a couple, you know, like a year like a year after Back to the Future. It's probably his next film, right after Back to the Future. Yeah, with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, that's a, a smart move. I'm pretty sure he was like that Back to the Future. Uh, the, that'll never work for a sequel or anything. I'm gonna go do this other movie. It's, it, it's a weird ass movie, man. Like it's about this dude that like kills his girlfriend, and like he takes his friends to show him. And like for some reason, Crispin Glover, like he's trying to protect his friend. Uh, Keanu Reeves like knocks on him, and they're, they're like these weird potheads that like live in like this weird like place in Washington or something. It, it's it's a one of, probably one of the craziest indie films I've ever seen, and it doesn't fucking help that it's from the early '80s. So it's yeah, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. It, it's a really good movie, though. At any point does he like turn around and tell like the main girl like Lorraine, I'm your density. I mean No, but he's destiny. got a lot of other really weird moments. Like he drives like this <laughs> little bug and like he's always like just really hyper and like spins around and like points at people with his crazy eyes and like just yells at him and shit. Like yeah, he's really, really unnerving in, in that film if you check it out. Like you'll probably get a kick out of him in it. <laughs> probably will. Now let's uh, move on to the next story and uh, what I wanted to get to there and, and what I don't understand exactly why they're calling it a reboot, but Jay and Son and Bob reboots uh, got picked up by uh, Savant Films and the plot was revealed as direct, Johnny. Yeah, it's basically going to be a straight up follow up to um, Strikes Back. From what it says, and I think it's weird that the Power Rangers people are going to be putting out Jay and Silent Bob. I wonder if they're going to like cut it down and make it PG thirteen because, like, isn't that what Saban's known for? Is like basically doing kid shit. Yeah, yeah, but why are they calling it a reboot? If it's... That's probably him just uh, Kevin Smith just screwing around. Yeah, trying to get click, trying to get a clickbaity to get people bitching and then like look at him and be like, oh, it's not actually a reboot because they did the same thing with the Predator, the new yeah. Predator movie. Saying it was a reboot, and it's actually like an actual sequel to the... Right, the, it's not not a reboot at all. Now, I love the uh, the Gene Silent Bob, the original one. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to be honest, I, I enjoy Kevin Smith's movies. Uh, when it's the uh, View Ask You, uh, and he has like his own crew, and you know, the actors are here, you see him, the Jason Lee's of the world and whatnot. But when he like segues from that a little bit, I'm a little worried because look what happened with Bruce Willis and all the other stuff he's done. You know that has kind of a different vibe. Uh, so I don't know how this is going to work, but it's Jay and Silent Bob. So yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's going to have like Jeff Anderson and yeah. like Snowball and all those guys back in it. You know what I mean? Like Snowball. otherwise, like what would, <laughs> what would be the point? That's beautiful, man. Fucking Snowball. <laughs> That's the best character ever. <laughs> what do they call him Snowball? Well. <laughs> 37? <laughs> In a row? <laughs> That's what I asked. Hey, yeah. try not to, like, you know, on the way to the parking lot. That's the best, by the way. No, you won't, you won't, you probably won't get, you know what, you probably won't get Jeff Fanderson in another, in another, uh, Kevin no. Smith movie. I heard, I heard they had a, they had a falling out, and that's why there's no, there's not gonna be a Clerks 3. Well, that sucks. He's like one of my favorite actors in his films. And what else is he gonna act in if he's not in Kevin Smith's movies? I mean, like, nobody else hires his funny ass. I don't think yeah. he wants to act. I don't think he's much of an actor. I mean, I think he no, just... he's just Randall Graves, that's it. I think he yeah. just plays himself. Yeah, I mean, the la- yeah, he, he's, he has not, he hasn't been in too much. Mm. I think he uh, does he... mostly Kevin Smith movies, and that's about it, really. 
Um, I mean, Jason Lee, Brian O'Halloran, Jason Muse, those are like the, the ones you're going to see reoccurring. And we haven't seen Jason Lee in a while, so I mean, I'd love to see him in like something like this. Well, he got he got in trouble because he left Scientology. Now he lives in some weird place in Texas. But Smith will probably hire him back because he doesn't sense. care about what that church has to say. Walt Flanagan, we got to get him back in there somewhere. Yeah, that guy's faster than Walt Flanagan's dog. <laughs> 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 my cousin Walt. Oh man, I can't even quote any of the, my cousin Walt stories from Mallrats on air. They're all. No. <laughs> you know, have you, have you guys seen uh, Ethan Supley? Remember him? Yeah. From uh, Mallrats, remember Sailboat? Goddamn yeah, Sailboat! Why didn't I see the sailboat? He, yeah, he was lost... on. Um, yeah, he's he's lost so much weight since wow. he was on. Um, my name is Earl with Kevin, uh, with Jason Lee, which is one of my favorite comedy shows ever. I mean, this guy was a, he was a tugboat at one yeah. point. And now you see, I mean, he is not in lost weight. He's kind of buffed out. I mean, it's amazing, like, what, you know, some of these actors, uh, you know, putting themselves through. But, I mean, it, it's uh, kudos to him, man, because he's lost a ton of weight. I mean, well, he being, really that, being that big, you, you just kind of keep yourself in a constant state of risk. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's really unhealthy. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean or anything because I'm not exactly like scrawny Ronnie myself, but, you know, I, I keep myself at a certain level because, you know, like, and like, um, there's a story I read, um, while I was looking through the news, Christian Bale, when he was doing that shit for, um, to get ready to play, um, Dick Cheney, man, he he put himself in all kinds of health risks. He had to go to the hospital for some stuff. So he said that he's not going to be doing doing that to that extreme anymore. He he like really really hurt himself um, putting on that much weight that fast and stuff. So it, it's it's a bad it's a bad scene. So if you can try to, yeah, man, try and not to get that big. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but see, Chris Campbell, he's a different animal because he's done it for the machinist. He's done it several times before for the fighter. He loses gains for Batman. I mean, he's, he's yeah, but, but look, did you method. see how obese he got to be Dick Cheney? I mean, like I know, it's different. yeah, it's different. It's different to go. I mean, getting scrawny like that, it's unhealthy as hell too. But like to, to rubber band back and forth, like Robert De Niro put, did the same thing in the eighties, doing his meth head acting stuff, and like you do, you bouncing back and forth like that, you you really mess up your heart, you mess up your organs because. You're you're supposed to keep a, a kind of a normal body mass. You know what I mean. You're not supposed to rubber band back and forth like that. Yeah, but remember, we're talking about the actor who got too big to be in the bat suit at one point, and we we're talking about fat. He just got too strong and muscle bound. Like the the Batman people were like, "Yo, yo, slow down! You're you're, you're breaking the suit." Like <laughs> that that's how like you know like cut up he got, and it wasn't like fat. And he, like he he just like got. He went from like being what 130 pounds to 260 pounds of pure muscle. I mean, that's incredible, and that's in a year. They should have borrowed Ben Affleck's fat Batman suit that he wears, man. <laughs> that would have been perfect. He yeah. wouldn't have ripped through that shit. I mean, he, he literally like I remember like seeing some of the reports. He was ripping through the suit just by making moves because he got so. I cut up. They were like, "Dude, stop working out." They mandated him to stop working out for a couple of months because he was. Well, like, that yeah. that in the, the suit, the suit that they made to make it look as cool as it was, it, it, he couldn't really do mobile. He couldn't really be mobile in it. So like, he would go to like do like a, a cool move, and like he'd I, I end up breaking it too because like yeah, he was yeah. stronger than the suit was. Yeah, which... that's amazing. Ah, <laughs> uh, I miss Bale. 
He was good. He was a good bad man. Now, it, it's uh, sad because, of course, we, we lost Stan Lee, and uh, Stan Lee made cameos in a lot of the, uh, you know, Kevin Smith movies. Also, besides the, the legendary cameos he's made in the Marvel Universe, he came out of Mallrats, and he's done a couple of, of uh, Kevin Smith's movies. I wonder if they're going to reference him at all in uh, this movie, because him and Kevin, I mean, I've seen some features of them together, and... They had a great relationship over the last couple of decades. So him and Kevin Smith are, they were like really tight buddies. And Kevin Smith really, really loved Stanley. I mean, like, father figurely. You know, like, he, he like, yeah. fell in love with the guy. And who, who doesn't love Stanley? I mean, he's like, everybody, if you're into like comic books or geek culture, Stanley's like your great uncle, your uncle, your, you know, he's somebody who's been there like the entire time we've been alive. And, now that he's That's gone. right, true believers, you better believe it. Dude, since, since he died, I have, I, I've been wearing the, uh, a hat that I got from one of the geek boxes that they were putting out for Stanley. Uh, one of them brought a, uh, a hat that says, Nuff said, which is, you know, from Hell, Stanley. Yeah. One of my and, favorite terms that he made up, yeah. Yeah, and it's, all, it's a black hat, it's a beautiful black hat, and it says, Nuff said in black bold, uh, you know, stitching. And I, I, I literally, like, everything I do is with that hat on now. It's like, that's my, uh, my new thing. It's my, my theme. Enough said. And, uh, I got it from Stanley because Stanley is that iconic, you know, and he came up with that and, it, it, dude, it, like, it touched everybody. I, like, yeah, there's always certain people that you look at over, you know, the media or entertainment that you take for granted because they've always kind of been there. But then when they die and they pass on, you're like, oh my god, like, what an impact, you know? And it's well, I mean, he, he was incredible. he was really old and he was he was struggling. It, it it was tragic for me, and I don't like the. I mean, like that's one of the things I hate most about going on Twitter and Instagram still, because everybody's still putting up those memorial things, and it just yeah, it does. It's like a fucking kick in the stomach. Yeah. Every man. time, like I I have to think that like yeah, dude. I'm never going to hear him Excelsior again. That's right, true believers. You know, it's like, yeah. he, I love, like, I grew up. I mean, he, he did, I, I, I kind of came in at the tail end, reading comics at the tail end of his run of stuff. Like, like I was started in the late 80s, so I got a little bit of his stuff. Like, I, I started reading with, like, the Walter Simonson Thor and a lot of that stuff. So, like, I, I was, I grew up with his little editorial blurbs at the end of books and, I, he was he was the coolest person in the world. The only other guy that's up there, like as rad as he is, and did as much good stuff, cool stuff as he did, is probably Archie Goodwin at DC. He's basically yeah. he's basically the the DC's Stanley that for some reason never gets the play that he gets deserves. But yeah, uh, um, Stan losing him was I mean it, it's, a, it's just a kick right on the butthole. It hurts. Yeah, it's just painful. I'm just, I'm happy that MCU uh, got a lot of footage of him over the last few years. And uh, they plan to use, you know, cameos for the next, like, 20 years of Stanley, supposedly. Because they filmed a bunch of different, like, scenes and different ideas and stuff that they can incorporate later on in movies. It, so, really? Uh, that's that's what they're going to do? They're going to just keep using yeah. cameos? Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. They, they, they said that they, they spent a couple of weeks with Stanley, like, this is a couple of years ago, and they filmed, like, up to, like, 20 movies worth of, like, little, like, snippets and cameos and just him doing random funny things in makeup and in different costumes and stuff, and in green screen and, and you know, different things like that they can put him in, just so that they have, like, you know, just, you know, snippets of uh, stuff with him 
so they can yeah, use it for, for later on. Because, I mean, he was in his 90s, so you know he was you know, coming up to that last, you know, doorbell, and it wasn't going to be long till he was gone. So, I mean, Mar- Marvel did a very smart move in doing that. So his essence and that presence in the Marvel Universe will always be there. And even 20 years down the road, when say they run out of footage, you could always put, like, a picture or something like that of his on the screen. So, you, you know, always keep that kind of vibe and that, you know, that spirit of his life in the cinema. So, I mean, I hope that, you know, he never stops being involved somehow with uh, with Marvel Cinematic Universes, whether it's Phase 5, 6, or wherever they go. So, well, I, I, I give it a couple more um, phases before they kind of do a reboot and kind of start reintroducing some of the big characters because people are going to start missing Iron Man and Cap pretty fast, I think. I think that they're going to have a nice kind of like float for a little while, and then there's going to be a slight decline because like – People like those characters, you know. As that's kind of what people uh, got used to. As long as they have the uh, the Stanley cameo, I'm happy. Now, I, I guess uh, we're all in. Uh, we're, we're good with uh, the news here uh, for uh, for Kevin Smith and Jay's uh, reboot film coming up. And it, it, does that that have a, a official release date or no? Not yet. Um, no, it doesn't have a release date. It's just that the um, it, it's he's got a distributor, so he's kind of basically gonna make it on his own money, and then like they're gonna put it out for him, kind of like what um Miramax used to do before mm-hmm. that guy got like locked up for being the world's nastiest person. So, uh, oh yeah, well, what Weinstein? Yeah. So basically, that's what that's why like Kevin Smith had to search to find somebody to put his movie out for him because mm-hmm. the guy that put all his movie out for him was one of the most disgusting human beings that ever walked the earth. So it kind of sucks for him, but he's kind of I don't know I, I don't like his he did like that one movie for A two four like but like his stuff's not art housey enough for A two four like Tusk kind yeah. of skirts into that A two four thing. Well, 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 didn't Tusk didn't wasn't Tusk released through A Two four. I thought it that, was. That's what I'm saying. Like that. That one did, but it, it's art. It's art. Probably Yogahauser, wasn't that also through that company? That was no. through A two four too, wasn't yeah. it? No, Yogahauser was put up in the same Hoser, company. That distrib- distributes um, a Serbian film in America. I forget what it's called. It's not a two four. Oh God, come on! <laughs> That's why it was that like bad. <laughs> yeah, because Yoga Hosers was horrible. Yeah, oh, it was. And so, like, it makes this. And the fact that they made and the fact fa- I didn't like the fact that they made references to Tusk and they even had the Johnny Depp character in there. Oh my God, it was horrible. I can't well, it believe was supposed it. To, they were supposed to like set up a you know a little separate universe, well, like a cinematic universe. Yeah, right. like the Tusk Cinematic Universe, which yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really... What, that's what it is, because, I mean, you remember Kevin Smith has his View Ask You universe where he has the ball rats, uh, Chasing Amy, Clerks kind of, you know, cast. And this is supposed to be something like a little bit separate with his daughter and and Johnny Depp and his daughter, and they're going to, like, kind of springboard off of Tusk and have, like, a little separate universe. <laughs> yeah, but see, Tusk wow. is such a different animal from... Yeah. From that, that I, I, I mean, just kind of to put those two in the same, that was odd. But but Yoga Hosier yeah. is weird as hell too. I mean, I think if they would have taken Yoga Hosier's a little bit further, it could have been could have been good. But he went for a Yoga different. Hoser, Yoga uh, Hosier's was better than um was better than Cop Out, but yeah, no, it's uh, and it was yeah. it's about as good as Red State. It, it's not a ter- it's not like his worst film, but. It's definitely a lot like as good as like no, his other weird yeah. stuff like Tusk or Zack and Mary. Would, like, 
I would good. say that was that was a yoga. Jose was probably his worst movie, honestly. Was there anything, re- was there anything and, redeeming um, about that movie? I mean, there was nothing funny about it. Like, it's funny. I watched Yoga Hosiers and I wanted to go out there and tweet Kevin Smith. Hey, Kevin, I got the I got an idea for Yoga Hosiers too. Hit me up. <laughs> yeah, put Henry Cavill in it. No, dude. I, I, no, no, just, I got a, just a mustache. That's all you need. Just a mustache. Just, just, just a mustache. We don't need the whole Henry Cavill-esque body in there. Just his mustache. Somewhere, like you, if you get like clip out that mustache and put it like on Johnny Depp and remove the one he had in the, in the movie, that'd be epic. Which just sucked because, dude, like I don't really like Johnny Depp too too much. I'm not one of those huge fanboys, but dude, in Tusk, he was hilarious, especially like the hamburger scene. Like, how could they not like even somewhat half-ass replicate that in the follow-up to it? I mean, like. It was a retarded scene, but like I've actually seen, well, I've seen children eat a hamburger like that. But <laughs> I don't know. I thought I, I thought it was like probably one of his most charming roles since at least Benny and June. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is him as that weird detective in um, Tusk? I don't, I don't know about that being charming, but uh... well, it was retardedly hilarious. You know what I mean? So that's kind of charming. I but, guess. Uh... And like that Nicolas Cage kind of way, you know. Like... <laughs> I'll leave that up to you. Um, you know, that honestly is charming, but you know, Johnny Depp is not exactly the most popular actor these days anymore. So, yeah, no, I mean, the thing is, it's like I don't know. It's weird when I watch him as a kid in Twenty One Jump Street. He like looks so excited and idealistic, and like now that he's old and bitter, he talks so bad about that show and his time there. And it's like, yeah, but like when I watch, hey, that, they he... still got him to come back and play Hanson in the movie. So he clearly, you know, so he clearly had some love for it a little bit at least. Yeah, but he died, and it was like a, a really yeah, good but it was scene. it was so funny, and 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 you know how he was like he said he would only do it if Peter. Deloise was in it, and so they got Peter Deloise to join him in it too. And yeah. I, I just thought that that worked. That was a beautiful scene between the two of them. <laughs> it worked out. Deloise was basically the best part of the show, even though he didn't look like an actual teenager. That dude was hilarious, mm-hmm. man. He had his he dad was. since he, yeah, he was a he's a fucking funny guy. Don Deloise, man, rest in peace. He was he was great. Yeah, I just watched a cannonball run the other day. Twenty four Jump Street is. Uh, speaking of which, Twenty Four Jump Street is apparently in development at this point. So I'll watch it. It's, like, it's something else to think about. Like, those are like the only movies where I could actually watch Channing Tatum in them because he's actually hilarious <laughs> in those films. I never thought I would be a fan of his. Kind of like I was telling Jackal about Zac Efron before the show. Like, but sometimes when these guys just kind of let loose and just let themselves be retarded, like, oh my gosh, they're great. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just wish they'd do it more often. Well, I know that um, the uh, Twenty One Jump Street Men in Black crossover is dead, so that, that's good. Yeah, That's I saw the news. trailer for the new Men in Black movie when I went and saw a Bumblebee, and I didn't even know they made one, but it looks hilarious. I don't know. I'm a big Hemsworth fan, so. I look, I, I love the original, and I'll admit it, it, you know, they weren't the best movies in the world, but they were fun, and I enjoyed the original three Men in Black movies. Uh, I liked the Michael Jackson cameo. I thought that was funny. Um, I enjoyed the humor. This is like the last time Will Smith was actually funny in a film, uh, was the third one. Um, which the third one was Josh the worst, Brolin, but it was still Josh good. Brolin, yeah, yeah, Josh Brolin doing um, t- um, 
Tommy uh, Lee Jones. Tommy Jones. Was yeah, his name did, K in the movie? Yeah, K, right? Yeah, K. He, yeah. Like, he did a perfect Tommy Lee Jones impersonation. Yep. That was amazing. Like That's like the best part of part three, in my opinion. Well, Brolin's like the man. I mean, he can do any yeah. part. I mean, Brolin's awesome. But, I mean, no, yeah, he was good in the third one. And, I mean, like, I love the original three, but it was time for, like, for them to do something a little bit different. So when I saw that trailer, I was like, okay, it, it captures the vibe of the, of the original three. Uh, it doesn't have the crossover with 21 Jump Street, thank God. It looks like it's a, a proper continuation, like almost a part four, but set a few years after the original three, which is good. Uh, um, I think they're going to make references to the original three with uh, K and J, uh, so that keeps it in that universe. So that's good. Um, and again, Hemsworth is a great actor. I Got like your it. daddy Liam Neeson in it. Yeah, Liam Neeson's in it. Which I mean, come on, he's been everybody's mentor from Batman to the Jedi. So I mean, you got to have him in there, and nobody's taken like he is. And then you got him in there. You got the the chick who was in Thor with uh, Hemsworth. Yeah, that, uh, that that team up back together. Like I'm yeah. not actually hoping that they get um what's his name, the guy that plays the Hulk up in there to be an alien or something. That just make it perfect. Yeah, get, have those three idiots back together again. Like they yeah. were hilarious together. I mean, why not? I mean, that worked uh, for Ragnarok, so it could work in, in a future in a black movie. Now, I think the way the direction for that is perfect. I, you know, I really hated that crossover idea. So, I'm I'm excited about, about Men in Black International. I'm excited about this Kevin Smith and uh, Jay uh, Jason Mewes, Jane Silent Bob reboot uh, film. So let's see where that goes. Now, the trailer has now come out. There's no teaser, no nothing. Just news, and uh, I'm excited about it, so I'll give it a thumbs up. I'm all in on it. Zada, are you in on this one? Are you uh, excited about it? Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent. It doesn't really matter. I'd rather, personally, I'd rather see uh, Clerks 3. Yeah, but that's, that, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, Too many uh, too many needles uh, making that not happen. Uh, but Alpha, what do you think? Are you excited about uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot? Yeah, sure. Um, and and since I saw just saw Jason Mewes on uh, the last season of Z Nation, he's looking all healthy. He's he's really sober now. He's doing yeah. really good. So it's gonna be um it's gonna be good for him to get some more money in his pocket. So I'm I, I'm actually just gonna support it just to help Jason Mewes out. So <laughs> I love that crazy we, fucker. We need more Jason Mewes in movies, man. He's awesome. And have you seen his wife? Ooh, hottie. Really good yeah. for him. Yeah. I mean, you would get sober if that was your chick, put it that way. <laughs> well, I just smoke weed nowadays anyway, so it's not like I'm like, I'm not well, a smack hat like you was. Like, like, I, like I said, that that's not a drug. What he was yeah. doing, that was drugs. Yeah, he was he was doing scary stuff, so it's really good that he's he's doing better, and he's yeah, he's really healthy yeah. now. Hopefully now, because I mean, he's a good actor, especially for, for he has a good comedy uh, vibe and sense about him. He has good timing for com- for comedy. Remember, this is a guy who was like high as hell through Mallrats, and when they when Kevin Smith told him, "Hey, uh, the executives want to get Seth Green to play your part, so you better like you know man up." He went up there and he like he knew the dialogue, this you know, he knew everything, and he was like high the entire time on heroin, meth, crack. He was doing everything. But this is a dude who put his, you know, mind to it, and he like he learned the script. And then the, the next one he did was what um, Dogma, 
And they were like, dude, they're chasing they like, Amy, but they were barely in that. They only had like right. They, they had a big part in Dogma, and that's when Kevin Smith was like, dude, we got real actors in this. We got Alan Rickman. We have you know Chris Rock. You got to like really like come in real hard on this one. And this guy came in like you know on a binge. And the story goes that he was so like on point. He read not only like, did he know his part in the script, he knew every piece of dialogue. He knew all the actors' parts. Like, and there were scenes where he was like harrowing the fuck out of real life, and you could yeah, tell. Yeah, he kept like, passing out on set. Yeah, like, yeah. But when it was his turn to say something, he was on point, and he knew like every, everything he did, which is amazing. So imagine him sober. I mean, I'm dying to see what he you know could do. Uh, with the Jason and, and Silence, you know, Jay and Silent Bob movie with him sober. That's going to be really cool. I, I think the big, the, the reason why he went that extreme is because in the first Clerks, like Kevin Smith and everybody thought it was funny because he, uh, he said all of his lines wrong because he'd never acted before. And like, <laughs> it was kind of a big joke thing. And like, I, I think that because the first film was like that, that he kind of, had felt that he needed to bl- blossom as a comedian because you can't just go around saying the wrong lines and build a career on it. You know what I mean? Which hey, it worked for clerks though because I mean he was basically playing himself. That was the thing, right? Because like uh, when he's telling the, the story about the, his grandma told him the story about the plate with nothing on it, like he actually like he, he kept messing that that scene up, and they just kept the one that they thought was the funniest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good old Jason Mewes for you guys. We're going to take a, a quick commercial break here on the round table. We're going to be back in a couple of minutes. We'll be right back. My name is Scott McGrath. The day before my eighth birthday, I fell in a pile of fire ants and suffered significant wounds on over 70% of my body. Since that day, I have made a solemn vow to kill every insect on planet Earth. I hate them with the passion of a religious zealot. Speaking of religion, of all the biblical plagues, I hate the locust plague the most. For the last 12 years, my white-hot rage has materialized in the form of my business, McGrath Pest Control. I have harnessed this unforgivable intolerance of insects and released the wrath of my fury on bugs in and around the homes of Houston. I will kill those bugs in any way that I can. Chemicals, my boot, my bare fist, or any other object that can end the life of an insect. Call 281-469-8240 and give me the honor of killing bugs at your house. I also hate rats and spiders. Go to McGrathPestControl.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the round table, or as I like to call it in Spanish, La Mesa Redonda. I like it. It sounds like a it sounds like a place where you can get some banging tacos, man. Just make sure they got Al Pastor up in there, man. Those yeah. And some tapatio hot sauce. Oh yeah. I'm a Cholula man, but tapatio's not bad. Tapatio's my shit. I like that. I love the tapatio. Charles to Alex or uh, Mexican. Oh, he likes Taco Bell. No, 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 no. He loves Taco Bell. He loves Taco yeah. Bell. He dreams about that chicken chalupa and the shit. Oh, wow. Really? 
<laughs> one day he told me his dream was to become a spokesman for Taco Bell. He wants to just like be like their like the the little dog that like, you'll get on Taco Bell guy and shit. And I think he'd be good at it. I think so. I think he has a future in that. And now speaking of hot sauce, let's go uh and talk about the hottest movie in in America the last few months. And uh, now the highest-grossing DCEU worldwide movie, Aquaman. Really, fish sticks, dude. It's a it's a hell of a film. Like I, I I'm glad that it's fi- they finally did it, and I'm glad that it's a obscure, or like not obscure, but smaller, goofier character that actually kicked DC, yeah, kicked the door down for DC to be good because that's the way I think the universe should have been built. Personally, I, I I like the way that Marvel did it. Mm-hmm. I I mean I know I'm gonna piss that off, but I think it was cool that the MCU got built off of Iron Man and Thor because they didn't have Spider Man and Wolverine to shove up down everybody's throat constantly. So I kind of think it's cool that DC kind of had to learn the same lesson. And Wonder Woman and um, Aquaman are they going to be the characters that kind of really bring life to the EU? Which good. Well, it just looks to me like they're they're going in the direction of solo movies, which is kind of what everybody wanted them wanted. to do from the get-go anyway. So I don't understand. So to me, I, I really can't argue with the way things with the way things are going. I mean, Aquaman is a solo movie. Wonder Woman was a solo movie. Man of Steel was a solo movie. It was the studio that wanted that Avengers movie. They got thirsty for that Avengers money and forced all these, you know, team-ups and stuff without doing the work and doing the solo films and building up, building up a, you know, a direction. That's what the problem is, and that's what I, that's what I don't understand why everybody's so surprised. I mean, Aquaman is a beautiful-looking film, I mean, and it's, and it's doing well, and it deserves its success. So, I mean, personally, I, I'm just I'm just shocked that everybody's surprised that it's making the kind of money that it's. Well, making. let's be honest. Uh, it's globally. It's no, 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 no. It's globally considered the biggest DC movie, but Wonder Woman made more money here domestically by a lot. Uh, oh yeah, but, I mean, domestically you 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 have to you have to look at it. You have to look at the bigger picture, though. These right. movies are being made for the global audience. But I'm, just yeah, but here's, here's the thing. Anymore. But here's the here's the thing. A big chunk of that came out of China, which James Wan, the director for Aquaman, is huge in China, and everything right now that he is attached to is going to be a, a major hit in China. So there's a, a big chunk of this box office which made Aquaman the number one DCEU movie that is thankful to the China market and thankful to having the, the director involved that, that it had. Uh, if not, it wouldn't be you know looked at as such a big picture. It would be maybe like two or three in the list behind uh, Wonder Woman and Conan. And Suicide Squad. And Suicide Squad, correct. Which were, you know, if you take China out of the equation, which they didn't have fully, they're about the same budget or they're about the same, you know, uh, returns when it comes to the global returns. But in domestic terms, Aquaman underperformed, you know, from Wonder Woman and, uh, and from Suicide Squad. I, I think that, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think domestically, I think domestically Batman v Superman is still the highest of all the, 
uh, DC. No, man, because if you're if you're going Wonder off of Woman, how much how much how much, it, how much the movie cost to how much it made, Suicide Squad made twice as much money off of the the budget, how much they spent on it than BVS because it was a bigger that's, head. That's, comparatively. That's, not, that's not true. I'm looking at it right now. BVS has the higher domestic total. BVS is still the highest. Yeah, but. But you got to talk about domestic domestic box office and talk about how, you know, you know, this and that about domestic. You got to include BBS in that conversation. It's still ahead. Well, no, no. We, we, you got to take the budget of the film and then how much money it made on top of that to, to see if it's a hit or not. If it barely made its money back like BVS did, that's because that movie cost so much money to make. Yeah, no, but Suicide see, we're, Squad, we're, which we're, was a low-budget film. But we're talking about two different things completely, Johnny, and I, and I understand where Yeah, that's where not Zod, what I'm talking about. I, I understand completely where Zod's coming from here. You, uh, we're just talking about the raw data numbers. If you just look at the raw domestic numbers, uh, Batman vs. Superman made $330 million domestically, lifetime gross. Uh, I'm looking at the actual numbers right now. That would not beat Wonder Woman. So while 330 is a good number for a Batman vs. Superman movie, not it's good. It's been a billion-dollar film. I mean, that's that shit, well, not maybe a billion dollars domestically, but at least five, six hundred million coming off of the, the, the Dark Knight trilogy. And you have Batman and Superman for the first time on film. And you're, you're coming off of, yeah, there's a, a kind of a mixed, you know, reaction to Man of Steel. But, I mean, still you added Batman to the mix. That should at least, you know, produce five, six hundred million dollars. And it produced three thirty. 330. Now, when you look at Wonder Woman, which again, not directed by a certain director who we should not, you know, name here, because, well, Zod wants a cut that he's never going to get. Writer? Right? Director's cut? Not happening? No? Okay. It exists, man! It's coming! Well, what three thirty to four twelve? That was one Roman's domestic total. So I mean, yeah, one Roman it, it domestically still beat it. Uh, it made eight hundred twenty-one million worldwide. Uh, Batman versus Superman made what eight seventy-three. So yeah, the, you know, worldwide it made a little bit more. But I mean, Wonder Woman. That was uh, I mean, nobody, nobody here thought Wonder Woman was going to make that kind of loot. Let's be honest. There's I wanted it too because I love the character and I love the actress. So, but I was I was actually really happily ex- surprised that it did as well as it did because yeah. coming off of all the failure that was before it, it was kind of um, it kind of had everything against it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I completely uh, completely agree with you. But domestically speaking, Wonder Woman, I think it's still, I mean, but geez, I mean, it made four hundred million dollars. Uh, and that's, I mean, no, even John Campia ate his words when it came to Wonder Woman, because, I mean, everybody... Uh, I don't even, don't even bring up that guy. That guy doesn't know anything he's talking about. Well, and yeah, some I, aspects... I, 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 I got yes. no love for Campia, man, so, like, I... Even though... <laughs> John Caspia. Ah, he's okay. No. <laughs> he's not. He's a. He's. A, he's uh. I get you love Collider, but I mean, like, 
not everybody that works there is is worthy of your respect, brother. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, you might. I know you want to work with him one day, so you're kind of. But he's not listening. He's never going to hear this. So. Well, he's not a collider anymore. I want to get on collider. So it's you know. He's oh, he's not, not on collider anymore. Then what does he do? He has his own like channel, John Campier show, which. It's like a wow. rip-off from Collider. It's like, it's like the same thing, but without Collider. Because he, like, I guess he looked at Collider and he was like, uh, I could do this by myself and make my own money. Like, you know, I have to, like, just get a paycheck from a company that he kind of helped put together. So he just went and did his own thing. And he's doing pretty good. You know, he has Patreon and all that. I don't want to give him too much publicity, but... <sighs> Yeah, exactly, but he's doing his own thing. But no, Collider is a completely different animal. From, yeah, uh, he's from doing his own thing, and he flip flops more than a pair of tennis shoes, dude. He's horrible. Oh, let's dude, not he, let's not open that book, Mister Aquaman. Looks awful. It looks like a Disney movie. They're not using the Zack Snyder car- costume. This movie's garbage. But oh, now you love it. So come on, let's not let's not call people flip floppers, Zach. That's not fair. Uh, no, he is. He is one hundred percent. He's worse. He's worse than. <laughs> anybody. He is the worst flip-flopper that there is, period. No, I know a guy in New York who's much worse. No, so. no, I think he's even worse than the people in New York, for real. He I is. Don't know. He's terrible. I don't know. I don't know. The, the guy's officially actually retarded, so I don't know. I John, think John Campia is, too. No, I think he just plays one on YouTube. I think he just plays one on YouTube. I don't think he's that dumb. But anyway, moving on, because uh, I don't want to take too much time on Campia. Uh, what's next on the table there, uh, Mr. Alpha? What are we going to uh, I kind of wanted, I'm kind of excited about this movie out because of just uh, how stupid but just endlessly entertaining and fun the movie Venom was. So I'm almost optimistically looking up, forward to this um, Morbius the Living Vampire movie, even mm. though it's starring Jared Leto. I think that mm. he could pull this character off. He kind of looks like a, a, a like a kind of a Femi vampire type guy, like Morbius is supposed to look. So it, I, I hope that they, they get a crazy director that can make something stupid and fun like Venom. And um, it's going to be released also in July of 2020. But the really, really cool thing that I found out that just dropped today is Matt Smith from Doctor Who is going to be playing one of the big parts, probably Mm. the villain of this film, which I thought would get you guys' blood up a little bit since you guys are big fans of his wonderful insanity. Yes, that is probably the only reason why I'd watch that movie, to be honest with you. Uh, That's interesting. Morbius, you know, I've never been a big fan of uh, of uh, the comics. Uh, Zod, I mean, it, it looks. I mean, it looks interest. It looks interesting. I, I don't know. I mean, it. I, I mean, hopefully, it's it's cool. I mean, I, I kind of feel good about it just simply because you know Sony's kind of got something good going right now. So maybe yeah. this will be another. Maybe this will be another hit. Who knows. Well, the, the thing about the good thing about this one is he's he's very obscure. There's he's he's either shown up as a villain in Spider-Man or he's had a few miniseries. So they can virtually do anything they want with the character as long as they kind of keep to what is known of him mm-hmm. and just have fun with that, which is kind of a really good spot to be in with with the character, especially if you're going to try to make a, a, like a film that doesn't actually tie in to its key source material like Spider-Man, which this one's probably Oh, the, oh you guys you guys don't understand though. Sony's going to bring in Spider-Man. We're going to get Spider-Man yeah. back Eventually. in the Sony 
I mean, it's it's not going to be. Uh, I think they're going to take uh, what's his face. They're going to take Holland right out of the MCU. Well, he he's got he's got to do um, Far From Home, and he's going to show up in Avengers Four, and after that, he's all Sony's again. Sony gets the sixth film with John uh, Tom Holland, and after that, they get to renew their contract with him, and nothing said about what goes on with Marvel after that. Yeah, they're not they're not they're going to screw they're going to screw Marvel. They're waiting to screw Marvel. That's why that's why well, they're so happy about Venom. Yeah, but you, you, you should, Marvel has a, a lot of plans for that Spider-Man, so let's see. Uh, what, oh, oh well, yeah, that's oh, what well. ends up happening there. I, um, I, you know, not I, if they don't get, not if they don't get that renewal. They don't get that renewal. They're going to have to write him out of the MCU. I, I, I would, lo- I would love to see them somehow write Spider-Man, Spider Holland out of the MCU. That'd be, that well, would be really great. He really Aside from the Avengers movies that he showed up in, he doesn't really have continuity with any of the other characters. Iron Man's not going to be continued after these Avengers films. Like Robert Downey Jr.'s contract's over, his Iron Man's done. Chris Evans, the only other hero he's kind of actually like worked with, done. So like I, Tom Holland, really after um, these movies, doesn't really have too many ties to the MCU. So if he gets written out, he's not going to really be that missed. Well, like, I guess it, it doesn't that... really matter if he's written out or not of the MCU. If you really think about it. Uh, his Spider-Man could be doing something else, you know, while the MCU or or whatever is either being rebooted or they're just introducing different characters. Uh, you know, eventually not all these characters are going to line up and fight together. So he's going to have his own, you know, set of films, a part of the Avengers and a part of having Tony Stark or Nick Cage show up. Uh, and, and, you know, eventually, like, grouping them up with some of these characters, it's a good idea, because I would hate to see them continue just to, like, you know, have these solo, uh, you know, villain films, and not eventually have them fight Spider-Man. I mean, they're all in, in that kind of universe. So, it'll make sense. It makes sense when you watch Venom, and you see the way they treated that movie, for them to do it to a couple of the characters, so you can really set up the villain. And then set up the characters, you can see a proper characterization with actual character development, which is, that's one thing I liked about Venom, and the idea of doing it that way, even for the bad guys, for the future villains. At least well, Venom's you, you not have actually that a bad in. guy, he just doesn't like Peter Parker. Uh, when he's not around right. Spider-Man, he's actually a hero himself. So. Well, he's like the anti-hero, hero type of, type of you know, dude. Uh, but that's like in a more modern-esque Venom. You know, the original Venom was more evil, you know. Well, that's because he always because he hated Peter Parker, but once you get him away from Peter Parker, he's kind of mellow. He just fucking hates Venom. Right, heat. yeah, and, and then you're more modern-esque, you know, comics. That's the way they kind of went with it. But and that the movies reflect that, which that was a good thing. But, uh, you know, anything Matt Smith is in, I'm, I'm sold because I am a fan. So I'm... Eager to see what okay, did you was. see it? Did you see the movie he was in last year, Patient Zero? Uh, Never Patient heard of it. Zero. No, I haven't heard of that it's one. It's on. It's on. It's on. Uh, it's on Netflix now. Oh, Is it okay. good? Yeah. I, I don't know. I watched a little bit of it. I didn't see the whole thing, but I was curious if Jackal had watched it. No, I haven't. I'm gonna go check it out now when we're done. I've never seen him in anything besides Doctor Who. He's not my favorite, but he is definitely entertaining to watch. So I, I'd like to see more of him. He's not quite as um, I like Tinan a little bit better, but he's got the same kind of just insanity to him. So like, I think that him playing like a a, a super villain, like he's gonna be he's gonna be uh, fun to watch. 
What I liked about him, Doctor Who in, in particular, was that he was such a young guy. He was like what in his late twenties when he took over the role, but he had like a like a feeling of an old guy in him. Like, like he, he could tell, like he was like an old soul. Like he it, really was yeah. it was the bow tie. Bow ties are cool. And fezzes are yeah, cool. bow ties are cool, but they kind of give you that older gentleman kind of feel, you know. That and he he spoke proper English. British You're right. English. You're right. Because um Eccleston talks like a chav and um and yep. Tennant was Scottish, so yeah. He was kind of the first one that was really proper. You know, yeah, he had was the pop proper jacket. British and he wore the fez and the bow tie and he looked grandfatherly and he's like twenty nine, so it was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. And I even liked him in Genesis in Genesis of the last Terminator. I liked him in a, I liked him in the first movie I seen him in called The Womb. Where he played this really creepy, crazy clone of a character. He was he was interesting in that. Speaking Check of which, uh, before we move on to the next story, I heard a little rumor um, that you know since uh, he's officially cast in episode nine coming up in December, um, rumor has it, and I don't I don't want to say this is official, but it doesn't come from Mike Zero. It doesn't come from uh, Geeks and Gamers. Is some that. Uh, I've read on some pages of deal directly with Star Wars, and some outlets have kind of covered it. I don't think it's been on Collider yet, but uh, there's possibly a good chance that his character in the movie is a clone of Emperor Palpatine, and a, a younger clone, not like the flashback, which a lot of people thought he's going to play like a flashback version of Palpatine, but no, that he's actually a clone. They're going to go with that storyline, so. It's Big spoiler alert, if you don't want to know. So, basically, uh, it's going to be like uh, like Dark Empire. They're finally yeah. going to kind of tie say, into uh, that a little bit. Yeah, Which would be good, great. That's, that's one of my all-time favorite Star Wars comics. Yeah. That's actually yeah. the first Dark Horse one I got into. It's still, it's still, it still holds up today better than any of the films, if you ask Where, me. Now, if you, if you ask me... Yeah, as rumors go, I love this because this tells me that J.J., who wrote you know most of the script, and I remember when he said that he's got he's got the you know the, the story in his head what he wants to tell. I think he might have been going back to some of the old Legends comics and kind of like picking apart little ideas here and there. And I think this is one of the ideas he he kind of like really enjoyed and he uh, he eats an infused in Episode Nine. So I look you know hate it or love it. Uh, whether you're a fan of The Last Jedi and, and Soilo, a boy uh, and his uh, Chewbacca, uh, whether you like those two movies or not, I'm still excited about Episode Nine. I want to see where he goes with, uh, yeah. with this trilogy. And- well, I mean, I don't see what me liking uh, Last Jedi has to do with me not wanting to see the next evolution. I mean, like, I'm excited for anything Star Wars related at this point. I didn't like. I mean, Solo. I don't get. I don't think it's the worst, but it definitely wasn't a film that needed to be made. But mm-hmm. I like Last Jedi. I think it, I think it's a cool, different type of film. But I don't utterly love it. It's not Rogue One. Like that. That's my all time of the new ones. But um, yeah. if they are, if they are finally being intelligent and taking stuff from the just wonderful, just decades and decades they had of Dark Horse comics that are would have made just amazing films if they just adapted those off the bat. Um, uh, there's nothing to not look forward to in that, man. Like, if you're a fan of Star Wars or just the comics or, I mean, like, it, that's good news for anybody who, um, 
likes anything to do with Star Wars, if that this is actually indeed true, they're going to start dipping into the um, extended universe um, well, which is I don't understand why they didn't do it off the get go. There was just so many better stories than the ones that they've told. Can you imagine seeing Matt Smith in the full Emperor garb, just walk out with the hood on and like, oh, you know, should it do that reveal? And it's a young Matt Smith, and he's like. Now, under my tutelage, Kylo Ren, you're going to be the supreme leader of the galaxy needs, or some craziness like that. I mean, just, I, I, I have goosebumps just thinking about like those scenes. Because he's really like one of those actors that he can not only chew up the scene and keep it entertaining, but he can really So you think that's what it'll uh, be? You think it'll be, you think it'll be the Emperor? Trying to train Kylo Ren? You really think so? I, I think he's going to try to take him down. I don't think Kylo's going to listen to anybody. No, I, th- I think my I, I think the idea might be here because remember these movies are kind of like in a sense while they had like no direction per se. From the very beginning, JJ said that he wanted to kind of mirror the original and the prequels a little bit. And if you remember in the prequels. What was one theme that ran all in all three movies? That the Emperor lost his apprentices, right? Until he found Anakin. And Anakin That's was not like... true. Dooku and Grievous were running around the entire trilogies. No. Like Darth Maul killed in Darth Maul gets killed in part one. Uh, well, Doku lasts till part three, but he gets killed in part three. The reason why he, why, why the Emperor needs Anakin is because he lost his first two apprentices. Remember, he even tells Anakin in part three, kill him. You know, and he Man, you gotta remember, off. I haven't seen that movie since it was in theaters. So, so, I mean, that was like one of the running themes. And Grievous was more like a side character, bounty hunter type, you know, like, he wasn't really in tune with the Force, man. He wasn't a Sith Lord. Oh, I thought I thought he was no. a Sith Lord. I thought that no, was like this no, whole no. thing. Like he was like a robot that transcended and became Sith. No, he just had like four arms, and even for a Jedi, it's kind of hard to fight. So, and he's a robot. Yeah, so. he was kind of a Ninja Turtle villain. If the, the, think about the, the, the the foreshadowing of Grievous was that he was kind of like you had all the the apprentices that didn't work out for the Emperor, and Grievous was kind of his right hand man that wasn't a Sith Lord, but he was kind of like you know that deep within the Empire. But when you look at all the the apprentices that failed and Grievous, and then you look at Vader, Vader's like all of them put together. He has a, like the same breathing problem that Grievous has. He's part machine, part sim, like uh, like human. Remember, Grievous was a being who became this robot, but he never yeah, was, he was a in- cyborg too, basically, right? right? So, but he was never in tune with the Force. But the whole running theme was that the Emperor, you know, lost or Palpatine lost his apprentices on purpose because the whole thing is that he's pushing Anakin to become his very, you know biggest apprentice and i think what they're going to do here with the sequels is going to mirror that and flip it instead of you know having anakin be that final apprentice you know i think what they're going to do here is they're going to leave it off with emperor Palpatine coming back as a clone and behind the scenes he was the one running everything and kylo ren needed that ex that next you know like mentor to get him to the next level, and he lost Snoke because he killed him. Which, you know, he killed, remember the yeah, Anakin kills uh, Palpatine and Return of the Jedi, so kind of mirrors that a little bit. Snoke 
gets killed by the hands of uh, Kylo, like you know, the Emperor gets killed by the hands of yeah. Anakin. So you have that kind of mirror effect. But now you have the flip mirror effect from the prequels where now the, the main bad guy needs the next mentor to kind of get him to that next level. So the next mentor being a clone of Palpatine, which could have been like an agenda of the First Order from the beginning to find the, the you know, the way to clone Palpatine and bring him back. Maybe that was part of the storyline. Maybe it was behind the scene the whole time. I think that might be where they're going with it, and that's kind of the way they're going to mirror the prequels, but flipped. So it's not exactly the same, because that's always been the theme of Star Wars. It's kind of like mirroring the past, but giving you a little bit different interpretation or flipping it in a different way. So it's not exactly, shadows. Yeah, it foreshadows and has all kinds of different ideas. I think that might be one way they're going. And at the end, I think you're going to see, like, instead of having, like, Anakin will become the, uh, the ultimate bad guy, you're going to see where Kylo finally completely redeems himself at the end of the movie. And mine, and, and this is not a spoiler, it's just my idea. I think Ray's going to end up being bad at the end of the standing. She's going to flip, and Kylo's going to redeem himself, and at the end they're going to kill each other. And the one that's going to be less standing is going to be the new Emperor Palpatine, which is going to be played by Matt Smith. And they're going to just ride off with him as the main bad guy in the whole For thing. For the next trilogy? With... And it's going to, like, really, I think, going to throw everybody off with the child produced by Kylo Ren and Rey. And they're just going to leave it off and, and give you, like, an idea of, okay, there might be a part 10. Because... I thought that, I thought that there was, there, they were going to keep it going, like, uh, um, having new trilogies. I don't see why it would have to end it. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, it yeah. doesn't... It, I didn't get a feeling that... Like this trilogy was setting up uh, any finality. Like it really seems like they're going to just. Well, yeah, especially after the last movie we got. Yeah. I mean, my God, after the last movie we got, we might as well, we might as well figure we're going to get at least two or three movies because the yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, uh, this will make perfect sense because you know they already said this is going to have a time jump, so it's going to follow like. Uh, you know, 10 minutes after the last movie. There might be like a year, two-year time jump. So from here, two years, who's not to say that Kylo Ren and Ray didn't have some kind of romantic interlude where, you know, they, they bang butts or whatever and they had a kid. If that's the case, and then we have Emperor Palpatine running things from behind the scenes, what's also another common theme where the Sith kind of like... uh they do each other in, you know, they eventually kill each other. So a young Palpatine with all the ultimate powers that he had against a Kylo Ren who's trying to redeem himself and a Rey who turns evil, he might just turn on both of them, take the child and be like, you know what, peace, I'm going to raise him to be the next Vader. And just bounce and, like, leave them to kill each other or leave them both dead. And I think that'll close out this trilogy, like, epically. And it'll be a great twist also, by the way, for, the, for them to do something like that. It'll be something completely different. Um, it leaves you that open ending to, like, another trilogy, which, like you guys said, I don't, I don't see why they wouldn't continue at, at this point. Well, it doesn't seem like there's any finality. Like, the, so many characters that they set up, I don't see, like, them reaching a resolve to their characters by the right. end. Like, Poe, Dameron, and Finn, I don't see, like, they've barely gotten any development or, over the films. Like, they've gotten plenty of screen time. But, like, basically, you learn that, like, oh, Poe's a really cool guy, but at sometimes he could be a headstrong dick. Right. That's all you know about the character. And then Finn. He oh, was, he was wasted. He, Finn was, he's gotta yeah. be, he could be really cool, but, like, let's just keep him juggling for some reason. Because, yeah. like, yeah. he's got to be a clown. It's like, 
do something with them, please. Or you know what I mean? Why do you introduce us to these interesting people and like do nothing? Uh, that, with them, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like, if they do keep going, I hope that those characters don't get killed off, and like they could at least like finally do something cool with them after Ray and Kylo murder each other or whatever you uh, your plans were. Because like that that sounds about right. That that sounds like something Hollywood would totally do. Yeah. But like some of these characters, I want to live on and have them explained and have them actually do something fucking cool in one of the films. So. I just hope we don't get like forty five minutes of uh, Rose Tico and Finn. Oh, no, no, this oh, they, oh no. they bang and they're going to be. <laughs> Their kids are going to be black and ease. Totally. Nobody hey, man, I, I've seen some really hot half black, half Asian chicks running around, man. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm down. All right, moving on to the next story. What, what do we got next on the round table, Johnny? Oh, I want to get into this um, Soprano news that Zod brought up during the commercial break. Zod, you want to you want to cover this one a little bit for us since oh, you're kind of more yeah. into it? I think I think Zod is frozen over. Yeah, no. Hey, Martha. <laughs> Why didn't you say that name? Okay. All right, uh, Johnny. Uh, I think this is a plus. I think Zod has become fish sticks. Yeah, okay. We got um basically like the um they're going to be making a prequel movie to the wonderful wonderful HBO crime drama show The Sopranos and it's going to be starring Mike or uh, Michael Gandolfini, James Gandolfini. <laughs> there you are. Come on. He, he dug, yeah, dig your way out of the snow there. Come on. Dig out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Michael Gandolfini. <laughs> yeah, the son. James Gandolfini. You, you, you're more you're more um, familiar with the story, so you go ahead and, and let the let the audience know what's up. So he so it's this is this movie is going to be a prequel to The Sopranos, and I guess it's going to get a theatrical release. And they're gonna and and they got and since they got Michael Gandolfini playing a young Tony Soprano, that's what all the buzz is about because he looks so much like his father, and it's. It's like perfect casting. Yeah. And the fa- and the fan, you know, the fan buzz is really good. And they're all just saying, well, my God, we hope we- he can act. But I-, I trust David Chase because David Chase is the creator of The Sopranos, and he's behind this, sh- this movie. So, I mean, if he picked him, he obviously had a rigorous audition process, and they didn't just cast him because he was the son of James Gandolfini. He had to earn the role, so... Well, if you're playing Tony Soprano, half your lines are going to be, who ate all the gabagool anyways? So. No, at least playing them at, at a much younger age. So he's going you know, to talk proper to the 1940s or whatever, at least up to the 1950s or whatever. 1960s. He's not going to be – he's not that old. He's not old enough no. to be like a 40s. Well, hey, Weisenheimer. Whatever. Wasn't even 50 at the end of the series. So Yeah, but remember the, the Sopranos was set, what, in the 90s? Well, the no, the Sopranos went right into the Sopranos. The act starting of the Sopranos was of the TV series was it took place in 1996, right. and the the end of it went up to the modern to modern day, which was uh, 2008 when the series ended. Right. So, so I mean, it's not far fetched that he was a young kid in the 60s, 50s, you know, on that that time period. Uh, but they, listen, um, Michael Gandolfini looks just like his dad. If he could act, you know, this is going to be epic. Uh, you know, Tony, Tony Soprano is one of the greatest uh, TV characters or, you know, 
cable TV or whatever. I mean, The, the Sopranos is one of the greatest shows ever on, on TV. So there's going to be millions of people that are going to watch this movie just because of the name value alone. Right. And, and I'm one of them because I, I loved the original series. So especially the first three seasons were just phenomenal. Uh, and I'm looking at this picture, and Michael Gandolfini really looks like his dad. I mean, no kidding. Looks a lot like him. And, you know, that's his son, so why wouldn't he look like him? But uh, if he has half the acting chops his dad did, oh, my God. This kid has a hell of a career. Yeah, it's going to be an amazing movie. I mean, and, and it clearly, you know, it'll set up a lot. It's supposed to take place uh, during the 60s, during the race riots between the Italians and the African Americans. Uh, so it should yeah, be well, interesting. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be really good. Well, it's going to be it's, it's going to be a great couple of years to be an old school HBO show fan because we also got the Deadwood movie coming out soon too, which yeah. is another one of their just wonderful oh, my shows. God. That... Wow, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Now Michael's what nineteen years old, so he's really young. Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah awesome. So he's got. So he's going to be playing Tony at the age that he was during that during that time period. So that's perfect. Epic. Yeah. Now uh, imagine if this is a huge hit and they have like three or four movies and. You know, it'll be fun to see like the son become the father and the father become the son. As the yeah, as because <laughs> as time goes on, you know he'll grow more and more into the into his father. So it's like yeah, wow, like Superman returns all over again. <laughs> the father becomes the son, and the son becomes the father. Wow. <laughs> that actually a quote from that movie. I only yeah, saw that one yeah, once yeah, too. That's the only thing I remember from that movie. Is well, that, that happened. Cool. In, that quote actually comes from the Richard Donner cut of Superman too. Yeah, but yeah. but they you know but they used it in Superman Returns. All I really remember is like I was watching it and I thought that Kevin Spacey was playing Doctor Evil way more than he was playing Lex Luthor. Kevin I just, Spacey like, was in there. Yeah, I forgot. That's how bad that movie yeah. was. Yeah. yeah, he kind of got inspiration from Doctor Evil. Apparently, that's that's all. That's all I saw. I didn't see Lex Luthor. I just was like, dude, like one billion dollars. <laughs> you know, like I'm waiting for him to say. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if Brandon Ralph one day comes on and says, "Like uh, Kevin Spacey me, touched me." That's why the movie sucked. <laughs> He's the reason why I wore my underwear on the outside. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was oh. peeing myself on the inside, and so he kept touching me. <laughs> he said, "Don't worry about it. Pee will be warm. I know it's really cold out here." That's my best Kevin Smith impression, by the way. That's really bad. Kevin I mean, Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Yeah, my bad. Sorry, Kevin Smith. Didn't mean to uh, mix you up with a homosexual child molester. Sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Poor Kevin Smith. Uh, now let's see what's next on the round table. That's exciting news, though. By the way, my, with, oh uh, yeah. yeah. The Sopranos. Uh, let's see. Let's get on to the next stuff because we're we're gonna be running out of time here pretty soon. We got the Doom movie coming out. The new Doom movie. We talked about that uh, briefly, I think, uh, during break. Um, does that have anything to do with The Rock? I don't think The Rock is going to be in this one since he was the reason why the first one sucked so bad. Um, basically, this one it's being slightly delayed because they got more CG, more money to do CGI for the hell sequences, which I, I'm hoping they they actually really go for broken and do a proper, like, if you played, like, the last Doom game, like, the hell in it was just so cool. If they try to make it look even half like that, 
it'll be a wonderful visual I, film. I, I just I just don't understand why they're even why why they do that because Doom, while it's an excellent concept for a video game, for a movie, it just doesn't. It's, yeah. The idea just doesn't work, so I don't see how they. I just don't get it. Like Wolfenstein, I can see them making actually a films of, but Doom, like the character has like no character. He's just space marine, you know. He doesn't what? have a name. Has there ever been I, a, a, a adaptation of, of a video game that's actually been great? Super Mario Castle, Brothers, Double Dragon, Castlevania Mortal. on Castlevania on Netflix. Yeah, that's that's really good. But that's written by Warren Ellis. He's a comic book. Well, guy, yeah, but so. that again, but then again, that's also very very faithful to the um, Castlevania mythology. Yeah, I didn't know that. I only played the old Nintendo games, and all you did is run and jump upstairs and whip yeah. things, and went so. from left to right. I mean, I had no idea that, that, that was, there was a story. <laughs> yeah, but that was even on Netflix. but then there's there's a lot more games that you guys obviously are not familiar with. Well, but. The, the, the cartoon's wonderful. Like, I've only seen the first season, but I really love it. It was way better than... The cartoon follows the follows the plot line of Castle, I believe, Castlevania 3. But if we're going to talk about um, anime, then yeah, there's there's quite a couple, quite a few really good video game animes. Like the Persona games have really good animes. Um, Gungrave has a really good anime. Um, the Devil May Cry anime isn't awful, but it's not too good either. Um, but yeah, no, live action movies like Super Mario Brothers, that that's a f- excellent film. Um, Double Dragon, like Sure it is, Johnny. Sure it I is. like it. <laughs> the first Mortal Kombat movie is badass. Um Sure, sure. You know my best memory of the the first Mortal Kombat movie, and I'll share this quickly with you guys. I was standing in line because we I actually saw that movie in theaters. I saw the first two in theaters, believe it or not. And yeah, I don't I remember standing in line, and uh, for some strange reason, I was over the with one, actually at the time my best friend Carlos, and uh, his brother was there in the line before we got there because he got there a little bit earlier with their family members, their friends and stuff, and I got there with Carlos and, and my girlfriend and a couple other friends, and we just we got there, and you know they're waiting for us in the line, so me and Carlos and my girl were like, well let's go meet. You know, Carlos's family, so we could just, you know, not have to make this huge line. There was actually a big line. And, uh, they were like saving a spot for us. And we get there, and I guess one of the friends didn't, uh, know who I was, one of the family members. I, I think it was like one of the cousins. And he turns around, and he's like, motherfucker, like, you gotta get in line. And, this, and he starts like attacking us, like, like, like he didn't you know who we, what we were. And the brother, like, didn't say nothing. They were, like, you know, going you know, to jump the line. And I nearly got into, like, a fist fight with somebody over absolutely nothing. Who was part of the crew that I was rolling with? Because he didn't know they were rolling with them. That's the only memory I have of watching that movie in theaters. Isn't that sad? Oh, man. When I went and saw dude, it was like... I'd never been in a movie where the audience just all got along, man. Like when um, Johnny yeah, Cage yeah, the up, audience, the was, audience like, cheers. Just like yeah, like, yeah. But that was, was like, what, a 19, that was like what in nineteen ninety five. 
Yeah. It was like strangers <laughs> were giving each other high fives and, and just into it, dude. It was it was unreal. I, it was like being at a sporting event more than like actually watching a film when I went. And yeah, I remember seeing. Yeah, I remember seeing it with a couple of friends, and I just remember it being the theater being completely into the movie it was like an overwhelming even if the movie itself wasn't all that good it succeeded on so many levels in terms of just you know hyping up the audience i remember it being just a big huge hit with everybody that i know that went to see it at the time i mean it just goes to show you you know how far we've come because all mortal Kombat essentially is is a remake of enter the dragon that's yeah, all it pretty is. much yeah yeah I mean, that and the, the one memorable line of the whole thing is like, It has begun! Yeah, to me, it's the most memorable. I, I thought all, pretty much all the things that um, Her- Terry Tagawa says in that is pretty cool. It's like, your soul is mine! The fact that they used Terry Tagawa in the later Mortal Kombat series that they did, the, uh, the Mortal Kombat Legacy. Have you checked that out, uh, Johnny? That that crappy show they had on Machinima. I don't remember Terry Tagawa being. Yeah, that. he's in, he's in it as Shang Tsung. Oh, no, 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 you're talking you're talking about the, the one, you're talking about the TV show that was on TNT, right? Not the web series. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the web series based off of the concept where it had Michael J. White as Jax and Jerry Ryan as Sonya. And it okay, was okay. You're talking you're talking about it had Casper it had Casper Van Dien as Johnny Cage. No, he was Stryker. No, he was Johnny Cage. Was he? I he was, okay. No, he's not Stryker. Nope. Uh, and then Mark Dukoskis, who played the who played the crow in the TV adaption yeah. of the crow, played that's like, Raiden. That's yep. like the worst thing he played. He played Billy and Double Dragon. He played um, Crying Freeman for crying out loud. You're gonna call him the crow from that awful TV show? Come oh, on, man. Mark Dukoskis. He was a crow from that awful TV show, but he's been in a lot of good stuff, though. I'm just saying he was he played Raiden in Mortal in Mortal Kombat as well. By, by, the, way, way, by the way, speaking of the crow, um, Jason Momoa dropped out of the the yeah. official reboot recently. And here's the thing: I, as a, a huge fan of the original movie and a huge fan of Brandon Lee and you know, rest in peace, I kind of hope they leave this alone for you know. because well, he didn't just oh, leave. That that last director they had left with them, so like the, yeah. like it it's back to square one with no no star, no director, no nothing. So it's alone. Don't do nothing else. If you have to make another crow movie, base it off of one of the other comic book iterations. Yeah, base, base it off. Yeah. Base it off of skinning the wolves. Like it's it's about like a. Uh, it takes place in a concentration camp in World War II. It's about like a a guy that comes back to life there and murders every Nazi in the base, and it, it's an amazing comic. That 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 would be a cool movie. Like you do not need to tell the Eric Draven story again. You can't do it better. There's no CGI that's going to look any better than Alex Proya's miniatures and the set that he had right. for that Detroit. I mean that movie is beautiful. The score is beautiful. I mean it, as far as 80s low budget films go you can't fuck with the crow and you and i'm sorry no matter what, who you throw in there actor wise they're always going to get you know compared to brandon lee he's always going to be a shadow hanging over them because he was so perfect in that role i mean it, well, it, if he would have lived and not you know had tragically passed away during the filming that would have set up for, I think, many, many more sequels, and he would have been just the biggest action star in Hollywood because, I mean, he was well on his way. Rapid Fire was a fantastic action Showdown movie. Showdown in Tokyo. Like, oh. he never gets enough 
after that, but he yeah. was he was he was basically like he Robert Downey Jr. would have had a hard time getting a lot of his roles if Brandon Lee stayed alive and kept doing yep. that action comedy because he had that same kind of look, that same kind of humor that RDJ has, especially in Showdown in Little Tokyo. Uh, him and Lundgren like they were classic in that, but especially but he him, was he, he was but he was kicking ass man he was like it's funny because a lot of people didn't give him the credit but he he did the actual martial arts in showdown little tokyo in rapid fire he was like the the guy on the set like you know telling the choreographers why everything is gonna work out so i mean he was uh very much like his father in that sense of becoming like the like you know in his footsteps with with the acting chops and a perfect language, uh, you know, vocabulary. He spoke you know, clear English. So, I mean, he had, like, the entire world, really, in the action, you know, genre. Uh, there was going to bow his feet. And he's, I think he's going to be the biggest action star. Now, have either one of you seen, have either one of you seen Legacy of Rage? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that oh, is that a beautiful, is that not a beautiful film? It's a hog cog yeah. film. Yeah. Yes. He's just... He was great in it. I'm just saying, like everything that he he was in was was fantastic. Well, I, I have a low budget sci fi movie that he was in called Laser Mission. That's phenomenal. It's, it's yeah, 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 that yeah. was he, Laser Mission. Yeah. Yeah. Kung Fu. He was in the which, by the way, that was of course we all know his dad's idea. But many years later, he actually participated in the Kung Fu movie. So, I mean, he he was in a lot of stuff like re, like really quick from a young age, and he was developing into a hell of a good actor and just a you know, that's one of those tragic things where, again, if you're going to redo The Crow, hey, now we have all the, all these female characters, right? Make one of the female crows from the comics into a motion picture. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Flesh and Blood, that, that is a wonderful that is Flesh a, and Blood a great good comic. One. Yeah. yeah, that's what, that's one of the best actual comic books, and it's a female lead, uh, you know, for all USJWs. Uh, so, a female you know, Native American. There yeah, you go, pow, pow. You go. D- double your pleasure, double your fun. Knock two stones on one. <laughs> one. There, you go. Up, there you go. But leave Eric Draven alone. And yeah, I'm, I'm not a, a, a woman hater. I'd love to see that. But leave Eric Draven alone. Yeah, we don't uh, need that. We don't need that. That story told again. It was, it perfect. wasn't a, a very close adaptation of the first film, but it was close enough. It was very well done. It yep. was actually arranged better to work as a film because the original graphic novel, he, he really does kill the main gangster like second in the comic and. It, it, it works in the graphic novel, but I don't think in a film like Killing to, um, Top Dollar, like third, would would actually fly as well in, in a film. So I think that the the changes they made to the movie kind of benefited it as in the film context. The yeah, only thing that I wish they would have left out is the you kill the bird, you kill the man. Cause I hate that part of the lore. It was never part of the story, but whatever. It was fine in the one film. It's the sequels that really draw it out and just really made me hate that trope. Oh, yeah. Remember the sequel yeah. with Edward Furlong? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Especially the wonderful what – was what's that one called? Wicked Prayer? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, the crow is about five foot one. Uh, he still looks well, like five foot one addicted to heroin. I mean, that makes. <laughs> I mean, that make that, those sequels all make the second one, the City of Angels, look like the first one for real. Like, you know what? It, it's funny because I saw City of Angels in theaters, and when the promo came out for that movie before it hit theaters, we were all like super excited for it because the yeah, because the director's great. cut, from what I've heard, is phenomenal, and, and he never got it. Uh, 
it, it, like all that footage is gone for good. Yeah. So, like, it's never going to happen tragically. No, there is an extended cut, but it's like slightly extended. But no, yeah, no they no. they did a fan they did a fan edit where they actually yeah. took storyboards and stuff and put them in the place where where the scenes were supposed to be. But the sad thing is, he shot all that shit. And he should have been able to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, but it's lost. I watched a whole documentary on it, and it it sounds interesting, but it still had that stupid ending where like somehow he made magic birds fly out of him that killed the bad guy. He's not supposed to be like a magical creature. Sure, he's like a zombie that that, that but like he he has only what he can use. You know, I will he say this though: Vincent like Perez super was super powers. Like, but Vincent Perez was so, really good in that part. Though we gotta admit, though, guys, Vincent Perez as uh, the the crow. Yeah, no. It, it, the the color of the movie was beautiful too. I liked that whole yellow washed look that it had. It there was many pluses. It had. Maybe even a better soundtrack than the first film. I really loved the soundtrack of City of Angels. Uh, Iggy Pop was good in it. Yep. Um, uh, who else was? It? Oh, Thomas Jane was funny in that as the drag queen. I mean, like there was a lot of people I liked in it that, that did proper roles. It just the movie didn't work to their advantage. It also had that hottie from Power Rangers that died tragically after doing the film, which was a damn shame because she was badass. The chick that played Trini, the great yellow Power Ranger, she was like yep. the ninja bitch in that. And I always forget her name, but go please. Sarah. It, it, it could have been a great film, but studio interference. Um, Again, studio interference. Yep. Uh-huh. Who's going to oh, play yeah. Sarah? Oh, yeah. Like, she's, like, pretty famous. She's, like, she's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I, I, lo- I love, you know, watching her. She, she's, I, I forget her name. Mia. Mia, yeah, Kushner, I think. Is it Mia Kushner or something like that? Yeah, she's she's just, like, always that hot, goth, brunette chick. In her. Yep. Yeah, Mia Kushner. There you go. Yeah, yeah she exactly. Was, She's the chick she, who wanted to have somebody take a dump on her chest and not another teen. <laughs> That's how I always know her. She was in 24, I think, in one of the very first episodes, also a long time ago. But I know she's she's good in it. She was, I thought she was good in it. I mean, the movie yeah, wasn't. She was, she was, yeah, the, she was in the. The, the movie wasn't completely terrible. It wasn't like. It had its moments of redemption, but it just overall was. But look, you're never going to replace. Uh, Michael Wincott as uh, Top Dollar, that's one thing. And he, it, with that voice, yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he's, yeah, he was epic. Yeah, he's 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 almost as scary as Tony Todd, which was also like, in The Crow. So, yeah, it's like Alex Price like, let me just get like the, the white guy with the scariest voice I can find, the black guy with the scariest voice I can find. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to have them play like bad guys together, which was cool. I'd like to just have Tony Todd and Michael Wincott, like, do a metal album together where they're just like, ah, they'd both be really good at it. <laughs> That'd be dope. Now, uh, so I guess, uh, let's see, let's move on to the last story before we get to the top uh, box office results for the weekend. Uh, the Joker news that came out this week. You want to go over that real quick? Yeah, according to Zazzy Beats, that um, they basically just had a outline and um, everybody kind of just kind of, they kind of just um naturally made the script as the film was being filmed and it's, it came out very very natural feeling and um very wonderful according to miss zazzy beats from um both deadpool and now joker fame and i that i've been pretty excited for this ever since i heard todd phillips was doing it but i'm kind of hearing that it's kind of just like a raw film like this it's making me even more excited for it but read between the lines johnny alpha the script was done there were rewrites while filming. It's not that the script wasn't done. 
is that while filming, rewrites had to be mandated and they were incorporated into the film. Now, I wonder if these rewrites came from mandates from the studio saying, <clears throat> guys, uh, this might be a backstory to the next, uh, you know, Batman that we, that we are going to announce, uh, because they're going to announce a new Batman supposedly in the next few months. Uh, maybe some of the rewrites were to kind of like, you know, go into that direction. Uh, just uh, speculating here, but, uh, I'm excited to, to, you know, for the fact that everybody seems to say that, that, uh, Joaquin Phoenix crushed the role of the Joker. Now, some of the reports that came out when Jared Leto did the uh, Joker, they were that he was good, and then he, I saw the movie, Suicide Squad, I thought he was awful in it. Uh, you know, yeah, but see, the studio ruined, ruined Jared Leto's Joker, too, man. That's the thing. You, you got, David Ayer gave us a good, gave us a good foundation and the studio ruined it. So, we don't know what kind of performance we were supposed to get. Jared Leto was pissed when he saw the theatrical cut. That's the I, uh, version I, I, of the story I, I, we were told. I see it like this though, Jackal. Man, I read Batman. Like I go to the store and I, I I'll get a I get a, a Detective Comics. I'll get a Bat Dark Knight Presents. I'll get a Batman, and I'll get a different Joker in every one of those books. He's drawn different, has different mannerisms, and a different sense of humor. And to get this in film, it doesn't hurt my feelings, you know what I mean? I'm not one of these guys that thinks that, like, there should only be one Joker and it should be like Jer or Heath Ledger's Joker. It's like, no, because there's never just been one Joker in the comics. Why should there be just one in the film? And um, I'm not too big of a fan of the hairdo of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, but that's a nitpick. I I'm pretty sure that, dude, he's phenomenal in almost everything I've seen him in. Like, I don't even know if I like the movie Signs by M. Night Shyamalan as much as I do. As much as I like his character and his acting in that film, I think that he actually made that film watchable. Like a lot of things that he's in that are, aren't actually very good, like that movie he did with um, uh, Ben Affleck's little brother where he was the rapper and stuff. Like, like it, it was an awful film, but he was just so fun to watch. So I, I'm pretty interested to see what he does with the Crown, Clown Prince of Crime. And um, with Todd Phillips directing it, he's got such a wild and loose style, for, especially coming off of like the really silly comedies that he's done. And then to go into doing like the kind of odd dramas that he's done recently, I, I want to see like what he does with this. Like if he finds a balance between the middle of it or if he just makes it brutal. I mean, I, you, I don't know. I'm just it's going to be the fucking Joker and it's going to be what it is. Just like how I enjoyed Jared Leto's Joker for what it was, because I've seen Jokers like that in the comics. They're not always my favorite, but I think he did a pretty decent job. All things considered being as we've only had like what five, five action Jokers so far. And this will be the six. And he got like five minutes of screen time. And so Squad. quite <laughs> like, well, right, that's what I'm saying. He had a lot of, they said he had a, he had so much stuff that they have so much Joker stuff that was cut out they could actually make another film. Yeah, but how much of that was like not good? That's why it was cut out. That's the question. No, it was cut out for it was cut out for time and for content. The studio meddled with the film the same way they meddled with Justice League. So, well, they 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 meddled worse than they did with Justice League. The Justice League they didn't get a goddamn fucking trailer editing company to edit it. They actually like had proper editors edit Justice League. So yeah, and we and we saw how that turned out. Well, now you're gonna have James Gunn behind the uh, directing. Yeah, but for this it's one, going to so. be 
Yeah, Suicide Squad 2 is going to be as epic as I think the first one is. Because I love the first Suicide Squad movie. I don't care what you guys say. It's good. Well, depending on your, your choice of directors, you like James Gunn over uh, David Ayer. Um, you know, it, it could work, I guess. Well, David, James Gunn is going to give DC what they want. DC yeah. wanted David Ayer to make uh, Justice League, uh, make um, Guardians of the Galaxy for DC. He wasn't able to do it. They tried to cut his film into Guardians of the Galaxy for the DC, and it didn't work. So now they were able to just cut all that all that shit out and got the guy that made Guardians of the Galaxy to make their DC Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Oh yeah, that that, that should work out perfect, Johnny. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, they, yeah they, should, they should just just keep making all the movies soulless and joyless and muted colors with petulant, unlikable fucking heroes like Zack Snyder did. Like that—that—that's the way to build a universe, I, I guess. Well, I mean, if you if you want to if you want to talk about building a universe, the whole the whole point of it is is that they weren't. They were never trying to compete with Marvel to begin with. Oh, it was really? the it was the Avengers that ruined that shit. Once they saw the Avengers, then everything had to be like Marvel. That's what it was. Because remember, Batman as a solo as a solo superhero could make a billion dollars by himself. So he I still mean, could if they made a fucking watchable movie with the character, unlike Zach, what Zack Snyder did. Dude, if somebody competent made a fun, watchable film out of BVS, it would have been a billion-dollar movie. It wasn't that it wasn't the Avengers. It was that the movie wasn't good, brother. End of story. Okay. All right. By the way, um, you guys heard they cast a young Bruce Wayne and a young uh, Alfred Pennyworth. For this movie, right? Yeah, and um, uh, Thomas Wayne's going to play a big part in it, from what I've read. So that's going to be kind of cool that you're going to get to see a little bit of Batman's dad. Yep, and see how he rolls in in this film. So, I mean, this is definitely uh, in the Batman universe. It's not a complete. You know what? It's funny. Uh, I think this is going to be once you start hearing like rewrites and stuff like that. I think eventually what we're going to get is something closer to the Killing Joke. That we were on Man, here you go with the killing joke again. I'm telling it's you, not, it's I'm not going to be like it. See, the killing joke, the killing joke was basically the bat, the Joker trolling Batman. It, the, it wasn't about his actual origin. Like there, he, he tells I understand that. I understand that. But the fact is, that the movie is seen through the Joker's eyes. Uh, it's kind of giving you a little bit of an origin, something we've never had before. Yeah, I'm talking about that aspect of the movie. Uh, plus the fact that they're throwing a young Batman, you know, Bruce Wayne in there, Thomas Wayne's in there, Penny Worth is in there. Uh, all those things are, you know, reflective, uh, to a, a prequel. And I think that, you know, whether, when you look at Joaquin Phoenix and you look at the killing joke and the characterization, he's a stand-up comedian, a field comedian of that, um, which again, uh, while it's not exactly like the Killing Joke, I think it's gonna have kind of like that crazy vibe. And that's what Joaquin Phoenix brings to the character. He's gonna give you that crazy Joker, Killing Joke type of vibe to him. That's really what I'm getting at more. Not so much storyline, Johnny. I think you're, you're missing the point. But the vibe of that character from that book, okay. I think it's what they're going with more than anything else. Because if you look at the, the way they're setting up the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, he is, you know, it, it, it's not like he fell in the battle of acid and he has a face all scarred up like the uh, Joker in Batman 89. He doesn't have the face scarred up like in, in the Nolan trilogy. This is him pre, you know, going through that aspect, going through, like, you know, that 
traumatic experience as the Joker. This is a, an origin story, and I think they're going to infuse a lot more of that vibe than I think any of us are really uh, giving credit to. Plus, uh, I do like the fact just that, you know, I don't worry, the, the name of the characters, Arthur Fleck. Which yeah, which is cool. Yeah. Because he's, he, no, nobody knows him his a real name. name. Yeah, but they're, yeah. they're giving him a name, so they're giving, they're finally we're getting to see Joker backstory, which I know that the Killing Joke wasn't entirely about backstory, but it was as close to it as we possibly have ever gotten, other than Batman 89, which told you like a completely different uh, interpretation of anything that we've ever seen. But it worked for that, and this might work for this. Plus, one thing I do like about this, the, the actual imagery that we've seen from this Joker movie is when you kind of look at Joaquin Phoenix, and you can sort of see a Heath Ledger Joker coming out of out of this character. You, you, get, you, see, you see both him and Jack Nicholson at the same time, kind of. A little bit. You, you can see where this could be a backstory to even those Jokers. And that's cool. Even if they do this as a standalone film... It, it, it almost looks like it's infusing a lot of the essence and the, the characterization from what's come before, which I kind of like. I think it's kind of neat. But I think the main theme is going to be very, very influenced by The Killing Joke and that, that book in particular. Because, look, a lot of the fans, whether you like it or not, look at that book and look at it as, you know, the, the essence of what The Joker really is. Not well, so much it, the story, it, but it, the it, essence. It, it, it's a very, it's very important to the canon of at least a lot of Batman characters because that's Correct. how um, Barbara Gordon becomes the Oracle, and mm-hmm. and um, it kind of gives you a bit of a backstory of who the Joker could be. But like, like I said, he kind of trolls. You know, it's all, I'd say like um, Ledger's Joker was a little closer to Killing Joke because he he told like a couple different right. stories of his origin at the same time. So that we've seen that attempted before in film. Um, I'm just kind of hoping that they do something new and radical with it i, I mean like I, I know it's not going to be too different and too but i i hope that i hope that they do something a little little wild a little different and i think that um the how raunchy and like 70s the movie looks from what i've seen um it's going to like deliver a little bit of that for me at least so I mean, i'm down like no matter what they do i'm checking it out for shizzle i got a big I got big hopes for the DCEU in the future. Just going off the trailer of Shazam after how good Aqua Daddy was, after how much Patty Jenkins be pimping out um, the new Wonder Woman all over online. Like it looks like it's going to be salad days for them from now on, and that's good. DC needs to start making good films so we can start seeing movies from Valiant and Image and Dark Horse more often. Yep. So thumbs up on the Joker, guys. We're so far so good. Huh? We're good. I. I I'm there with you. Thumbs up. Yeah, I'm inside. Yeah, so far, so far, so good. Yep. All right, guys, you know what this means. It's time now for the box office results. Top 10 movies. Are you guys ready? Oh, I can. <laughs> I know Zod Rider was born ready for the top 10. Oh yeah, man! <laughs> get myself another. I'll get my. Got to get myself another blanket. <laughs> this is gonna keep you warm up there. Freezing to death, dude! I'm freezing to death. My teeth are chattering, dude. At this point, Zod Rider's like, "Let's get through this, so I can go back in my warm blanket, and my electric blanket, and my overnight sleeping bag, and my tent, and my and my and my anti ice machine, and 
everything else is keeping me warm tonight. Ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm like getting like this, I'm like getting like icicle brain right now. Like, holy shit. <laughs> Sadly enough, you can hear it on air. Like, you, you can actually hear your brain freezing. It's crazy. You can hear my teeth chattering for sure. <laughs> so let's start off with number 10 this week, Dragon Ball Super. Really? Yeah. Wow, that actually broke into the top 10. <laughs> really? That's not. That's the crazy part. Last week was number 4, but we missed the show last week. Jesus. Yeah. God, I, I hate that anime. That means, that's all I got to say. That means, that, means a, that means a Fist of the North Star movie would be... Would be Epic, number one. Well, yeah. this, this is just an, it's it's just another one of their little movies. Like Super is basically they're redoing the Z story, but they're cutting all the fat out of it. If I understand correctly, which is yay. Tell the same fucking story. So this, you told is this an animated version or? Yeah, is this, it's, it's, a, it's an anime film. It's not another live action. And Nobody's, guys, it's made a hundred million worldwide. It's Dragon Ball, of course it did, man. <laughs> it's the most overrated crap anime in the fucking universe. Yeah, um, but. The fact that it's made a hundred million worldwide, it's... It's Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball Super Broly. Mm. 2018 film. It's made that much money. Holy shit. Yep. That's horrible. 28 million so far domestically and uh, 98 million worldwide. So it's... uh, it's, Made a ton of Dragon, money. Yeah. There's, Drag, Dragon there's no Balls, justice in the world. There's no Dragon Ball's D, the reason why I always get kicked out of anime groups on Facebook. Oh, well, God. that's one of the reasons, Johnny. Let's not go there. Uh, yeah. That's oh. not the main reason. Number nine this week, Escape Room is down from number seven from, uh, let me see, 4.7. <laughs> oh, no, four, I'm sorry, 4.2. Uh, Escape Room, which I haven't seen. You guys, uh, PG-13 garbage, man. It's like if you wanted to watch Saw on Nickelodeon, that's basically what Escape Room is. Yeah, horror movies that are PG-13 don't really call my attention. But uh, it's been a lot of money. It's uh, 76 million worldwide, 47 uh, domestically, on a $9 million budget. So this is a Yeah, it's getting profit. sequels. Yeah. You're going to have a uh, rated G. Franchise. Yeah. The next one's going to be done by Disney because they're going to probably buy out the company. You know how that works. <laughs> Yeah, so they can get Spider-Man. I think that's what Sony wants. They just need to buy him, dude, to tell you the truth. They're going to have Fantastic Four show up in Escape Room, too. Why not? Uh, let's see. Number eight this week, and it's new at the box office. The movie Serenity brings in $4.8 million, just edging out Escape Room. And uh, Serenity starring uh, Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. And Hathaway, who uh, well, she's, she's cool, yeah, she's nice. Jason wow. Clark and uh, Diane Lane is in this, uh, directed by directed and written by Stephen Knight. Uh, Four point eight million, uh, not too shabby for a small independent movie, I guess. Like, I don't know the that budget, cast. But... I'm going to check it out. I've never heard of it, but yeah. that, that's got a that's got a rocking cast. So and Hathaway and Matthew McConaughey and, and Diane Lane. That's pretty good. That's watchable, definitely. If so, you want to buy, drink some wild turkey and drive a Lincoln. All right, all right. Yeah, that's number number eight this week. Number seven, and uh, down from number six, A Dog's Way Home by Sony. Nah, is it another? Is another incredible journey movie? Kind of. It's uh, with our favorite Ashley Judd. Hmm. Yeah, she is hot. Uh, Is Kirk Kirk Cameron in it? No, but uh, close. Uh, very close to Kirk Cameron. James 
Ed, oh, Edward James Olmos is in it. Uh, How about that close to Kirk Cameron? That's <laughs> <laughs> the old joke, Charlie. It's, okay. Yeah. Anyway, directed by Charles Martin Smith. Uh, I don't really see this work. But the movie's made $41 million worldwide, $30 million domestically, $10 million on the out-of-here numbers. Uh, Shout out to Alex, 2.0. Uh, ten million uh, foreign uh, foreign numbers, eighteen million dollar budget. So it's more than broken even at this point. It's a profitable movie, and I will probably never see it. Yeah, no, I don't like care about movies about dogs. Usually, they usually like if a person works with a dog, it's the last film you'll ever see them in. The only actor that's ever escaped this is Tom Hanks and Turner and Hooch. He's the only actor that kept his career after doing a dog movie. True. Jane, true, but Jane, didn't James Belushi uh, do a movie? No, he disappeared. He disappeared after nine one or K nine, which sucked because that was actually a good That's movie. A good movie. Well, he did yeah. a sequel though. He did a sequel to K nine. no, that's what I mean. Like they they go underground. They do straight to video. See, after Top Dog, Top Dog, Chuck Norris still made movies, but they didn't come out in theaters. Like but, they didn't. But he, dude, Chuck Norris always made straight to video movies. Also, and it, again, it's Chuck Norris. You put yeah. Chuck Norris in anything, and I'm I'm there. I'm buying tickets. I'm, I'm watching. Really? Oh, he sucks, dude. I never understood. No, oh, Chuck fat. Norris. <laughs> Chuck Norris has been the man since the '70s, bro. You kidding? <laughs> he may have been the man in the '70s, but like, dude, I'd rather watch. Van Chuck Dan Norris is like 105 years old, and he makes a movie. I'll still go watch it. Like, it's Chuck Norris, man. Come on. Now, uh, let's see. And by the way, Ashley Judd. No. Yeah, she'll probably never see her again. She just no. did a dog movie. Uh, Jane, Edward James almost, you know, I, I liked him in the 80s and 90s. And yeah, it's and yeah. Oh, he was good in the Battlestar Galactica remake. But, but now he's old. He's always been old. He was old in the 80s when he was in Stand and Deliver. <laughs> when he was in true. Miami Vice, he was old. Yeah, this, he, he's been he permanently... He was old in Runner when he made the fucking matchstick people. <laughs> this is true. He's been, like, permanently old for the last 60 years, which is amazing. Permanently old. <laughs> It's like when you watch like Steve Martin movies from the like the eighties. It's like he looks the same. Like he doesn't age. He always looks like an old man. Like he always had that gray hair and yeah, yeah. Looked, like he looks the like same he... now as he looked. At, like, he could do the Three <laughs> Amigos too if they wanted to. He could still play the part. Man. I mean, Chevy Chase let himself go, and you know Martin Short. Well, let's just say that time and gravity has not been kind to the other two actors. But when it comes to Steve Martin, he can still play the role, man. He looks the same, he hasn't age. Well, they got They need to do another Father of the Bride movie. They need to no, add that, that since he's still around, you know. Yeah, maybe they could do a crossover with that and American Pie, just like in all both of those. <laughs> Father of the that would be hilarious. <laughs> Father, Father of the Pie, of the Father of the Pie, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Sorry, I had to get that out there. But there was already an epic father of the pie fucker, and he was great in the first uh, five movies. So we don't need to re- there's nothing to recast the father of the pie fucker. Come on. Well, that's the, that's the thing. Like, um, maybe um, what's his name? Jim the pie fucker can like marry Steve Martin's one of Steve Martin's daughter because didn't he have like like thirteen kids in that movie? But he was really married. He, like, the, the, no, no, that no. One one of the the oldest one got married. Like He's got younger daughters. Or did Jim no, the Jim get was married to uh, the redhead, remember, in, in the uh, Pie Fucker oh. movies. American did Jim Buffy the Vampire Slug? Yeah, they, they ended up getting married in one of the movies. 
I think this was called the Ultimate Pie Folk. I don't know. I don't know. That was, yeah. uh, yeah, that was American Pie Wedding or something. Yeah. Reunion or Wedding. Fuck I think you. it was actually called Wedding. American Pie Wedding. I think mean, it wasn't like American Fuck Pies at Wedding, John. It was some crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Something stupid like that. But uh, let's, see, let's, let's keep moving on here. A Chinese chicken song in it? Of course it did. It probably did not know. Uh, six, uh, this ah, week, uh, coming down for, and coming up from 14 last week, which is amazing. Actually, went up in the rankings to number six from number 14. Uh, the movie Green Book by Universal went, uh, made 5.4 oh, million. That's because it was nominated for a fucking Oscar. It became Oscar bait, so everybody went and saw it. That's why it's. I mean, Vigo Mortensen, he's a good actor, but yeah, he's a good yeah, actor. Yeah, for but, real. But I mean, if it's American, Oscar bait, it's Oscar American bait. Yakuza. Was he an American Yakuza? He was the American Yakuza. Yeah, dude. I'll check that out then, like, cause I I, I like his action films. Like when he tries to do the Oscar. No, you've never movie. seen you've never seen American Yakuza, Johnny. I've seen the actual movie Yakuza with um with Robert Mitchum from the the sixties. That oh, movie. watch American Yakuza. It's epic. Is it yes. as good as the Robert Mitchum movie? Dude, oh man, it's awesome. Just check it out. It's sad because he doesn't he doesn't get a whole lot of like big movie offers. So he's a good actor. Yeah, ever since Lord of the Rings, nobody's casted him for nothing. Yeah. Oh, he was good in Hidalgo. Hidalgo was a good movie. How about uh, him playing Two Face? Yeah, yeah, no, he's that's be actually a good him. idea. Yeah, that'd be great casting. I mean, he looks like the last guy, kind of a, a little bit like the last guy who played him, and uh, yeah, he looks a little like Aaron Eckhart, and he yeah. can be, he can play crazy pretty good. Yeah, you seen no. like um, History of Violence and or um, Eastern Promises? Yeah, he can wig out really good. I think he'll be a great Harvey Dent. So, I mean, in the future, hey, you never know. That could be a, a good role for him. Uh, it's Vigo. Yeah. He, they need, they need yes. to hurry up though, because he's not getting any younger either. Well, Two Face could be a little, could be slightly older if you if you want to incorporate him like a follow up to like the Matt Reeves Batman movie and have him be Harvey Dent. <laughs> the Matt Reeves Batman movie, <laughs> Vapor. Well. We'll see how that works out. Uh, let's see, number five, and it's holding steady. It was Sony's big hit, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Brings in another 6.1 million, guys. And now, check this out. Box office-wise, domestically, it's at 169, almost 170 million. And uh, it's... 15, I don't know why 15. they bother to make live-action movies when they can make animated films that make this kind of money. It's like, why bother? Just... This is this is an amazing money. yeah, but this is an amazing split. It's made equally one hundred and sixty nine million in the foreign markets and domestic exact numbers. It's got uh remember ninety million dollar ninety million dollar budget. It's brought in three hundred and thirty eight million worldwide. So it's a huge profit as it is. It's a it's a guaranteed hit film, but the split is equally fifty fifty, which is weird for an animation movie. I mean, that's just strange. Well, that's not from either DreamWorks or Pixar. Yeah, that it's a it's a Sony animated film that's doing this well. It's kind of amazing. It's kind of really good for them. Yeah, to finally have a win like that. And, and to have China play such a small part, it's only made sixty million dollars in China. It's not like it's been a huge blockbuster there. And it just opened, uh, and it actually opened back in December, so it's been around in China for a while. But the fact that it's equally 50-50 like that, I haven't seen a split that equal in a long time for a movie, so 
That's uh, interesting in itself, but uh, it's funny because the box office are split 50-50. It was uh, number five at the box office last week. It's number five again this week. So uh, the, the number five is attached to this movie somehow. So a pretty much a sh- it's way. pretty much a shoe-in for Best Animated Feature for an Oscar, too, which is pretty cool for it. If it actually wins, that'd be amazing. It won't get it. It won't get it. You don't yeah. think so? You never know. No, because the Oscars are the Oscars, dude. Yeah, they suck. Yeah, well, they suck, too. Let me see, number four this week, and uh, it's new on the week. It's The Kid Who Would Be King. And actually, I want to see this. Yeah, I thought the trailer oh, looked really cute. It looked it looks dumb kid fun, but it looks it looks fun. You know what I mean? And uh, it's uh, about in total worldwide $10 million, which is not, that's not uh, so that's good. Not well, it's, it's not... Yeah, but we have to see what the budget is for this thing. The budget might be like eight, ten million. It's, it's a kids movie. Well, it, it looks like it at least got as much money as like one of them Harry Butthole Pussy Potter movies do. So I don't know how much those get made for, but it looked like it was somewhere around that same. Or like the Percy Jackson. I don't know how much them little kid YA movies, but they look like they're kind of expensive. They look like they got to be at least around fifty, forty million to make with all the CGI and shit that's in them. Maybe I don't know. This is a Fox. Uh, well, remember film, CGI so. is getting cheaper. So, yeah, you know. I mean they're they're getting pretty cheap with the whole uh, CGI special effects. Anybody do special effects these days, so that's not a big deal uh, as it used to be. Um, let's see, number three in the list, and uh, it was three last week, three this week. Uh, like we said earlier, the biggest uh, DCEU movie worldwide right now. And probably for a minute, Aquaman. It's uh, still in there. 7.3 million. So it just beats out the kid who would be king at, you know, by $100,000. But still, Aquaman number three this week. And it's entering, what, its sixth week of release. And yeah. already, guys, uh, like I said, it's probably $316 million uh, at the box office. Uh, it's still going to go for, you know, another uh, maybe $20 million. Before it's all said and done, so it's going to be right up there with uh, you know the top tier of the uh, comic book uh, genre uh, when the, the movie is finally uh, done. It's over a billion dollars worldwide, which again China plays a big part in that. But still, it would have been right up there with Wonder Woman and a lot of these other you know DC movies. So kudos to James Wan and. Uh, Jason Momoa and everybody who saw that movie, and again, I liked it a lot. And for me to say that, considering I didn't like the casting of uh, Jason Momoa, and considering I hated Batman vs Superman, and I did not like Justice League, uh, for me to go into this movie and say, uh, okay. I don't even like Aquaman at all as a character, but yeah, yeah, yeah he personally, and I just adore the film. It's, and it's it was it was really well shot. The humor was on point. It actually, landed. Uh, jokes were, it paid off. It wasn't just like a stupid side joke. Like, to me, the only joke that really worked in Justice League was the, uh, the scene where actually Aquaman's in, when he's sitting on Wonder Woman's rope of, uh, of truth. And he had, and he's like letting loose, you know, like all this truth, uh, by the way he oh, feels. Oh, yeah. That, also, it, I like, I that like, was stupid. I'm so, I'm so glad that's that, the, and, and that that's Aquaman the is a departure. I'm so glad that Aquaman is a departure from that because Justice yeah. League was all, was all jokes was from all Joss, Joss, Joss Whedon's That was ass. the only like memorable scene I thought in the entire film. That and the mustache. That's it. There was I, I, I like, 
I liked a couple of the flashes moments, like with uh, Commissioner Gordon. Did they? Do they always do that to you? That's kind of rude. And then when he's in the graveyard with. Um, oh, so you like the Snyder scenes then? Okay. I don't care who <laughs> shot him. The kid that played the Flash was funny, and when he tried to give um, uh, Cyborg the fist bump, he's like, oh, "Okay, we're not doing that." I thought those were pretty funny too. I thought that there was a couple of really good, solid, funny moments. But yeah, probably the Rope of Truth scene was the funniest. Written by the wonderful, the amazing Joss Whedon, who I don't like at all either, so I don't understand why you try to throw that in my face like I'm some kind of Joss lover. Right. The only thing I've ever liked of his was Firefly, so. There's that, too. But uh, there you go. That's Aquaman 3 of 3 in the last two weeks, so it's still making money. Still in the top three, which is, to me, that that's shocking in itself, so. Words. Yeah. Number two this week, in a movie I really want to see and I haven't seen it yet. Uh, the more I, I see the trailers and the more I see like promo for it, the more I want to see it. It's uh, with Kevin Hart, believe it or not, but it's him and uh, uh, Nicole Kidman and Brian Cranston. Uh, the movie Upside. Now it's not your typical uh, Kevin Hart comedy. Uh, there's a lot of drama involved, and it's uh, out, of, out of a thirty-seven million dollar budget, it's brought in about sixty-three million domestically and uh, sixty-nine worldwide. So it's trading a profit. It's doing well at the box office, but it looks really good, guys. Yeah. Um, it really it's, it's a comedy, but it's a drama comedy, you know, mix. And it, it actually looks like it's one of those movies where you're going to laugh. You kind of broaden his horizons a bit with it, which is good. Which yeah, is good you, for him. there might be some, you know, moments where even as a guy, you're going to be like, I got something in my eye. Because it's gonna have those kind of moments, you know, where even guys get a little emotional. Yeah, because you know we're we're, we're guys. You, know, we're, we're you mean like you tough, mean like but... the end of BVS? Like how sad that was? No, no, that was sad in a completely different direction. That was <laughs> those weren't tears of uh, of emotional, like you know, moments where we were like you know, touched by something. Those were more like <laughs> raping my childhood again. They're ruining yeah, they were like, character. They, they were like you were being touched by something. They were like you were being touched by Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that's just that's a little too much. That's heavy, Doc. No, Kevin Spacey with Superman Returns. We're gonna just we're gonna just forget. You said that because that was Dolph Johnny. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I got the reference, so yeah. I know what you were saying, and I'm still saying it was dub, so whatever. Well, I'm going to go with Zod on this one. It was a little dumb, but I still got the joke, and it was funny. So It was, okay. a, it was a dumb, funny joke. We'll go with that. Uh, but no, I, re- I want to recommend, I haven't seen it, but it looks really good. And I'm, I really want to see this movie, so uh, maybe by the next show we do, uh, I'll have uh, seen it. Number one this week, and uh, the, the most anticipated movie I had on my list for 2019, uh, which was the movie Glass, came in at number one. Uh, this is its second week of release. It's still number one. It made $19 million this week. Uh, it's performing really well at the box office when you consider this is a $20 million budget movie. It's already brought in more than enough to you know break even. It's in full revenue mode now. It's just cash cow. Uh, after 40 million, and it's already at 73 domestically, 162 worldwide, proving that M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong is here to stay. In spite of the yeah. facts that critics hate this movie. Yeah, except That's for the, what movie, I love the fact about that it. the movie, the movie's awful though. I hate Is it tracks. awful? No. Yeah, is it bad? I haven't yes, seen it, it yet. I don't know. 
I it saw is. it. I loved it. I thought it was. Uh, Did you really? So you yes. think it was? Wor- it was. It's a worthy sequel to uh, Unbreakable. God, no. yes, yeah. Dude, James Mac- James McAvoy is very watchable and he's very entertaining, Dude. but the rest of the film is just terrible, especially he the would, ending. The, the thing is, you probably weren't expecting something completely different. This is exactly what I thought it was going to be. Uh, this is a characterization, a, a mental movie where you have to sit there and you kind of like see all the aspects of why these characters are being brought together. And the twist at the end, this wasn't better than I see dead people. And, but it was a very good twist. I would say it's probably the second to third best twist of any of his movies, including Split, which had a great twist with. But this kind of like, you know, completely blew me away. I, I never saw this coming. It sets up for another movie if they want to go that route. But for now, uh, M. Night says he's he's closing the chapter after this one. But it completely sets you up for for further stories in this universe. But I thought the uh, you know the movie itself it never drags. Um, the storyline it's it's very psychological. It's not a typical superhero like action packed movie. So if you went into it, well, I didn't, think well, that, I didn't expect that. it to wrong. be that, dude. That's an M Night Shyamalan movie. And plus, dude, I watch art house films. I watch David Lynch movies and stuff. That's what I, this I, was, I, though. I, I dig surreal films, and this wasn't a good one, man. It was. I like. I loved it. I thought it was exactly. You, 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 you like saw it, the film, really, dude. I, I saw it, and I'm, I'm telling you, this is one of the rare occasions where I sit in a movie. And after the movie's over, I'm like, literally, this is the exact movie I thought they were gonna do, that he was going to make. Like, there it, was, wasn't, it wasn't as bad as, say, like, The Village, but it was definitely, like, Lady of the no. Lady of the Yes. This, I would say, is, like, his second, third best movie ever. Uh, That's no, how much I liked that, it. Like, un, uh, the trilogy is so Unbreakable, Sixth Instance, um, Signs, and then the rest. To are, me, Unbreakable is his best movie. Unbreakable, yeah. and probably this, and, uh, and Sixth Sense, and then Signs. But I mean, this was top two or three. I mean, this was to me, and we could differ and, and you know yeah. argue about this all, all night long. But to me, my personal opinion is, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was. Oh, exactly I, well, I can't movie. wait to see it. I haven't seen it yet, and I wanted to see it, but you know, inclement weather has kept me from the theater. So I'm, I'll hopefully I'll get to see it next week. No. It, hopefully you have all your your digits attached to your body that haven't frozen and broken off yet. <laughs> yeah. make, sure you, make sure you avoid mud puddles. Well, yeah. you know what I'm trying to I'm trying to avoid right now. I'm trying to avoid my face freezing. I'm sitting here like, what the fuck? And I'm sitting in my apartment. So <laughs> I, I I would say I, I feel your your pain, but it's seventy degrees out here in Florida, so I don't feel your pain. Yeah, well, I'm glad you don't. <laughs> For real. I wouldn't wish this on anybody. <laughs> so there you go, guys. Uh, glasses number one this week, and uh, it's brought in, again, 73 million domestically, about 89 foreign or out here numbers, as, uh, you know, we like, we like to joke around here, out of here. Uh, we're almost out of here, guys. Worldwide, 162 million. It's gonna hold strong, probably for another 10, 15 million. I, I, I'd say final numbers in this probably like 109 to 115 million domestically, uh, which is pretty safe, uh, for an entire run. Maybe 120, if anything. Uh, but again, on a 20 million dollar budget, this is a huge, uh, 
a worldwide uh, profitable movie for M Night. Another hit for him, and uh, kudos. I think he's you know back on the wagon making good movies. So I uh, can't wait to see what he comes up with next. If they ever do a follow up to this one, I'm on board 100%. So Johnny, sorry you didn't like it, man. I, I thought you would. I thought this would be right up your. I I really wanted to too, me. man. Like I loved Split. I like. Um, Unbreakable is a yeah. I loved film. I loved Split and Unbreakable as well. That's why I'm so excited about this one. I mean, cause... I was really hyped. I went and saw it right when it came out, and man, I just got like kicked right. I mean, it's a nice shot film. I'm not gonna. It's got some really neat camera tricks and stuff. And like I said, James McAvoy really deserves credit for his acting in it because he's the only person that actually acted like he gave a fuck about the no, film. Everybody else kind of no. gave really dead. Bruce Willis <laughs> was on point in this, and of course, you know Samuel Jackson as Mr. Glass. If you, if you watch the subtleties of the way he plays the character, remember this is. Coming off of a, a story where Mr. Glass has been in a hospital for how many years locked in there? I mean, they I, set. I, I, in the movie, I understand the story. They, they set up. That, I don't want to give away too much spoilers, but they set up like the hospital, like to be like, almost like Arkham Asylum, in a sense, uh, where they're stuck in there, and there's a, 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 a doctor who's kind of like a mastermind and controlling things, like you know you would expect in Arkham Asylum. And I'm not gonna give too much away, but there's a whole backstory. There's the big twist at the end, which uh, when you watch uh, Zod, you're gonna be like, "Oh, that's interesting." And of course, we all know that uh, that I'm not as known for his twist, but on on this, it's not your typical comic book movie. But when you watch it, it almost reflects like this is what a, a real life superhero, supervillain, and mastermind. Well- it, it, like, it is like it is like a comic book movie. It's just not like a DC or Marvel. It's kind of more like right. something that Boom Image would put out. If you're if you like, it, there are comic right. books like this that are about Correct. superheroes. They're just not yeah. popular ones. Or and big that's ones. what's great about this movie. It, it, it opens the door for those kind of stories as well as being just a great trilogy. And uh, again, I hope that uh, more people give it a chance because. I personally loved it. I think it's a great film. So, uh, Zion, I want to hear your take on it next week when we're back. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I'll have seen it by next week. I'm looking forward to it. Guys, till next week, this is the round table. Watch out for that frostbite, brother. Ah, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, I'm feeling it fit my face, dude. I don't know. Maybe you might become Sub-Zero, and, like, next time, like, when we talk about Mortal Kombat, you can actually have some inside information because you're actually that character from there and shit. That'd be awesome. Zyrider is gonna like when he when we hang up on this show, he's gonna like go outside and he's gonna like take his shirt off in the middle of the that cold ass snow and he's gonna yell out, "It has begun!" Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> With that said, guys, we'll check you out next week right here on the round table. Thank you all for joining us once again. Peace.